Big CES Whoa. week. And and uh, Michael over at Pharonix said not as big of a deal for Linux as it was last year, and he may or may not be right. But I was sure spotting a lot of Linux uh, in NVIDIA's live demo. So NVIDIA today announced the PX2, which is the second generation of what they call their computer super, their mini supercomputer for a car. <laughs> That's what they call it. Uh, and it's a big, uh, you know, massive uh, NVIDIA box that is liquid-cooled for this new version, the PX2. It's a big box with an ODB2 connector, and it's meant to go in your computer and power these self-driving cars. Now, we talked a little bit about it. Popey and I did today, actually, in Tech Talk Today. Like, one of the nice things is it can process 2,800 images a second. Wowee. Yeah. It's got uh, eight teraflops of processing, 12 CPU cores, uh, and uh, it, it is a pretty neat beast. And uh, we talked more details in Tech Talk, but check out the demo here, how cool this is. And then uh, I want to show you where the Linux is involved. Like you were saying, there's millions of points per second coming in. We can't just throw all of this at the driver as they're going down the road. They won't understand what's happening. So we need to distill and refine the localization of where the vehicle is into both the lane. The, the Here HD maps help us draw these lanes perfectly. Every vehicle that's coming past that's noticed by the LiDAR or by the cameras refined and placed properly in their lanes. The so movement, all of these everything. cars that I see around, the, uh, around us right now, they're real cars. They're, they're I mean, real they're, not, cars. they're not some kind of arbit- imaginary cars. They're real cars that yep. we've detected. Yep. And we know where they are in 3D space. We know how fast they're traveling. We know how fast we're traveling relative to it. Exactly. And we know what lanes they're all in now because we've, we've identified everybody. We've localized everybody. Yep. And we, right? we know the, the path that we're going to be taking, optional paths that we might be taking. Um, all of this information we can present in a very refined fashion so that somebody can relax and have a serene ride down the road. But how do we know that this isn't just a, a mock-up, some kind of a well, demo? I, you know, graphics. I think one of, the, one of the best things that we can see is actually what it looks like going down the road with real information. So if we okay. look at it with the video... Unfortunately, we don't have a windshield in front of you, but let's put a, let's put a virtual windshield up here. Yeah, so this is the, uh, the actual information driving down 101 with the vehicles passing. All of this is being computed in real time. This is not a video down below. This is Look at that. It just changed lanes. The car in front of me just changed lanes. Two cars just come up next to us. We don't need rear-view mirrors anymore. Um, all right, so that's a little, bro- a little bold there. <laughs> just get rid of them. Yeah, so well, just a little more. There's just no reason to ever have to look around you. Yeah. Yeah, you can uh, just loop there is all it's doing right there. And because our, our sensors are, are so robust and because we have so many redundant sensors, it is possible for us to detect all of these different cars. And we talked more about the image processing and recognition in Tech Talk, but if you look at the presentation, during the presentations, one of the things you would have noticed showing up on screen over and over again, Popey, do you know what it is? Did you catch oh, it? Oh, I know this. I what, know is this. what is it? What is it? What is it? No, no, I don't. Oh, you don't? Oh, well, it's Fedora. No, <laughs> actually, cool. it's a lots of Ubuntu. Uh, their demos, no like last year, uh, run on Ubuntu. The machines <clears throat> are running Ubuntu. It's Ubuntu all over the place. All right, they're up on stage wow, during the NVIDIA presentation it. at CES. You knew that because they, they did it last year and the year before. But I still think it's pretty damn cool. It is cool. These, this self-driving supercomputer car thingy. You know it's is, cool because that leather jacket. That leather jacket, it was one of the best investments that CEO has ever made. That dude wears it up on stage every single All event. The time. And you know what? I like him. He, he seems to kind of actually, he seems like a CEO that actually knows his stuff. So you got to respect now that. You come to, now you come to say it. I can't think of any uh, car automation demos that I've seen in the last year or two that don't have Ubuntu on them somehow. 
at some point the in the development, it. right? Yeah. yeah, like either the computers that are connecting to the in-car system or the computers that are developing the sensors. Yeah. In fact, when I think it, you know what? It's almost it's almost it would be more shocking if they were doing it on Windows. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's what we'd be talking about. <laughs> yeah. Wow, now that is your story right there, everybody. <laughs> this is Linux Unplugged, episode 126 for January 5th, 2016. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's for people who like to mess with computers. My name is Chris. And my name is Wes. Hey there, Wes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Chris. Oh, thank you. You know, after today's episode, I'm going to go ride a horse. Really? Yeah, yeah happy birthday. It's uh, my daughter, Abby. She turned five today. Happy birthday, Abby. Yeah, so after this, we're going to go ride horses. That sounds great. Birthday. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> oh, yeah. hopefully it's not raining. Great. It sounds great. No, it's indoors. Oh, I thought, okay. Ahead. I thought, come on. I so thought you're not much of an equestrian there, Chris? <laughs> no. Uh, well, I used to be back in the day. Long story. Make sure someone films this, and I oh. think it would make great Patreon content. <laughs> All right, well, coming up on today's episode, hopefully we've got some great content for you. We're going to get an update from the Mycroft Project straight from Ryan's mouth, a.k.a. the horse's mouth. Uh, also, later on in the show... Every single year, this chap out there puts out the big list of all of the things that are super wrong in Linux. Major Linux problems on the desktop. The 2016 edition is out, and the list is extensive, to say the least. We're going to go through the list. Wes and I read the whole dang thing. We picked out the important bits that we need to respond to, and we're going to do it right here in the show with the whole virtual lug. There are some pain points the guy's got us on. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they're helpful observations. Yeah. But and, you know, context. if you're thinking about switching to Linux, there are probably things you should know about going in. So we're going to talk yeah. about that. But there's also a few points kind of misses the mark on. Kind of misses the mark on. And then towards the end of the show, I'm going to do it. I'm going to own up to what I thought was going to happen in 2015. We made our predictions in Linux Action Show episode 345. I hope you look this scared during it. <laughs> I know. And uh, I went through and pulled out some of the predictions I made. Uh, and now I'm going to play him back and see how I did for 2015. Ooh. Yeah. And I just get to watch. Yeah. It's going to be a little painful for me. But you know what? It's on record, so I got to do it. It's not like I can hide it. So I got, I'll go through it. We'll do it. But, uh, you know, Wes, before we get into all of that stuff, you and I, just a moment before the lug comes in here, let's take a moment and talk about this rather outstanding beer you brought in today. Oh, do you like it? I do. You know, this is, this is like we're going to call this the Beer is Tasty segment because you brought in a beer uh, last week and this week, and I think it's worth talking about. You brought in the Sierra Nevada Celebration, and uh, it's a fresh, fresh IPA. And I was looking on Beer Advocate. It's got a BA score of 93, which is oh, pretty amazing. 6.8% by yeah, volume. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, it, uh, it's, that 68 is kind of high for a beer. Mm-hmm. It's kind of high. I like a little, you know, the higher. It's definitely hoppy. Beers. Uh, it's pretty good. It's, so what do you think? I like it. I like it. But, you know, it is hoppy, but it doesn't have too much of the bitter hop finish. Right. It has a nice, you know, yeah, it's there. there. Is, it's tasty. Yeah, there is not, a bit of a finish that's not like, too cloying. Yeah, it stays on the tongue, but not too bad. Yeah, so there you go. If, if you're listening to this episode and you have a Sierra, you should crack one open. It's a crucial element that makes this show work. <laughs> and also makes me a little belchy sometimes, but I'll try to avoid that. I got a mute switch right here. Maybe I can take advantage of that. Hey, let's get into our uh, updates of the week. And to do that, let's bring in our virtual lug, Time Appropriate Greetings, Mama Room. Hello, world. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. Hey, Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hey. So uh, it's here, the final episode of The World Without Linux put out by the Linux Foundation. 
It's finally arrived, and uh, I haven't seen it yet. I've been saving it. Oh, I haven't seen it either. We've watched like three or four of these on the show, and uh, this is a series to market Linux at the Linux Foundation, you know, the people behind a lot of great initiatives and the funders of Linus Torvald's Paycheck and Greg and others that are super important to Linux kernel. They have been putting these videos out to help to help the average person understand what the world would be like if Linux didn't exist. So let's watch it and then do a little mystery science theater on it. Welcome home to Free Burger, where the message of the day is free. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, hey, Annie. Sam, what's up? I didn't know you worked here. Yeah, I started here in 91 just as a hobby. Nothing professional, but here I still am. (laughs) I do it just for fun. Anyways, what can I get you? Wow, this menu is huge. What's good here? Well, I like the Sloppy Joe Distro, the Pseudo Menudo, the Wild Cherry Binary, mm, bomb, the raspberry pie, the souse souffle, oh, the Helsinki drinky. You should get that on the side. And of course, there is the world famous free burger and kernel fries. Uh, <coughs> what are kernel fries? Oh, they're just like regular fries, only monolithic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so where are your ingredients sourced from? Actually, thousands of chefs from around the world contribute ingredients and recipes, so the menu is constantly evolving and getting better. Ooh, no, you should try the gooey chocolate chip cookie. It's Brand GNU to the menu. Wait, what? <laughs> you mean brand new? No, brand GNU. What's GNU? Beats me. I thought you GNU. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know. They just make me say it. I'll just have the free burger and kernel fries. Oh, and I need that to go. So you want that in a container? I guess. Uh, so how much do I owe you? Nothing. It's free. What? Seriously? Yeah. The owners give everything away for free. And since so many people around the world contribute, the recipes are free for everyone to check out, too. It's pretty cool. That's why they call it Free Burger, dude. Oh, right. (laughs) Hey, Linus? Wait, is it Linus? Anyway, I need you to release a Free Burger and Colonel Fries. Uh, And make it snappy. uh, Users are so demanding. Hey, that's really him, isn't it? And it says I'd rather be diving on his shirt. (laughs) A world with Linux is hard to imagine. Thanks to the hundreds of thousands of individuals and companies who support Linux, we don't have to. Hashtag World Without Let's Linux. see. Um, there's also the Bash Sour Mash, the Config Pig. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> there's the Shells and Cheese, Echo Prosecco. Very smooth. Wow. Or you can get the CD Paranoia with a side of chowing down. Mm-hmm. If you're thirsty, there's Grep Juice. For sweets, we've got Gummy Boots, Jelly nice. Beans, Cinnamon Buns, Yum Extenders, Ice Cream Sandwich, Gingerbread. <laughs> you could have some Java with Gnome Foam. If you're into that. <laughs> All right. That was a pretty good one. That was the best one. That probably it? was the best one. Uh, they saved the best for last. And they got a Linus. Uh... I wondered, though. I feel like a lot of those jokes you'd already have to know and like Linux to understand. That didn't seem like a world without Linux, did it? Well, or at least I don't. it doesn't mark Look at well you calling out the premise. You... I, I mean, I'm glad they're making them. I like the catchy You're music. right. That was playing to the base, wasn't right, it? Right. Which is fine. I feel playing, yeah. too, which makes me feel good. But yeah. I don't Java, think I could show that to my parents. And Java with Gnome like Foam it. could be a title, Jumba. You should bang suggest that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think in the uh, mumble room? Was that uh, that was a that was a valiant effort, right? I think they did pretty good. And I'm, I'm imagining how they how they did this, and I think it was probably a, a worthwhile effort. Yeah, definitely the least of sort of the Linux old school, doesn't it? Yeah, right. I think it's the least <laughs> worst one so far. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of you. Um, Reminds me of watching a Quentin Tarantino movie for all the references. Oh, 
in the, just in the sense of making callback references or in the sense of like yeah. Kill Bill cutting off heads? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Imacon doesn't like it. You guys are a bunch of critics. You know, the Linux crowd is a hard crowd. Yeah, that's it's a hard true. crowd. It, uh, I, I, We're not uh, a nice community. Oh, yes, we are. We are. In fact, if you want to prove it, uh, just attend scale. Uh, you'll actually see how nice we are. It's just we're much nicer in person, and that's the truth of it. Uh, so we're going to scale, and I'm crapping my pants as uh, I talk about this. It is it's not something I intended to do. Damn it, Chris. And I know. I'm sorry about that. It's kind of smelly. I have to be here for the rest of the show. <laughs> Go on. Um, you know, I'm not like, uh, I'm not like Mr. Fancy Pants Popey in the uh, mumble room here where uh, my company will send me. You know, I got to say, yeah, exactly. And uh, I just the thing is, uh, I have to be there. I have to go. And uh, not only not only because I think it's extremely relevant for two, at least of the shows on the network, if not three shows on the network. uh, But really, there is something to what Wes just said, uh, that joke you just made about how we're kind of a rough community. Um, I was looking back at uh, some of the stuff we did to do the to do like the uh, last retrospective of, of right. 2015, and it just kept coming up over and over again, like community drama and community issues. And then I was doing the retrospective on LUP, same thing. All of this crap about um, you know how the kernel mailing list is is handling uh, interacting with people. Uh, the, there was a period of time in the Debian community during the systemd stuff. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. It is. Uh, it is. It is like. It is a bad. We have a bad stereotype going now. Uh, it is like. Uh, it's kind of getting. It's like. Um, boy, I don't. I don't. I hate. I don't. I don't know. Geez, I don't know if I should say this, but it, it. Like you know how there's communities online that are known for being kind of a hard community to get into. Yeah. That's the Linux community. We're, like we're that community now, and and it's it's totally unfounded because. I think I mean I think there are legitimate problems like there are in any large scale right. community. Free BSD. And some people have a bad time, but that that doesn't mean it's the majority. Right. Even even the even the gentlemen, as they like to call themselves, over at FreeBSD are going through this right now. Right. The FreeBSD uh, Foundation just released a statement about harassment. Uh, there's back and forth going on. Uh, if you want to follow that drama, you can try to look into it. No community is um, is isolated from this because. These are worldwide communities that are, are – it's not just gender issues. It is complete and different culture issues. There are, there are different cultures working together that see things completely differently. And so there are flare-ups that happen and the thing is they happen out in the public because these are open mailing lists, not behind some you know, closed commercial private uh, meeting where everybody can yell at each other and nobody ever knows about it. Right. I think uh, Greg Cage touched on that very well in that same retrospective. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I actually chose one of the reasons I chose that clip because I felt like it addressed that issue at a meta level. Uh, and so I don't know how else to say this, but if you don't go to these if these events in person, you don't you don't get to see the other side of the coin. You only get to read the online experience, which is very very skewed because there's some money to be made in the in the headlines, right? And degenerate and people love drama. Yeah, so uh, you just. If you can, I, I really think, you know, going to an event like this is – it's a special experience. There's not a lot of things uh, that – if you're as passionate about Linux, even, you know, half as passionate about Linux as we are. You're and it's something to you follow. show, so you probably are. It is really a unique and fun experience. And uh, I, I think Linux Fest Northwest, I just love it. It feels, it feels um, organic and genuine, and I've never been to a scale before. Ooh. I've literally been avoiding it for the entire run of the show, uh, um, but I, I'm going to go for my for, to my first scale, 
And I don't know what it's going to feel like. I'm going to tell you, but I don't want to get there, but I don't know yet. But uh, there are a lot of events that go on in the industry, and these are some of the events that are really the good ones. And if you're passionate about Linux, it's it's a pretty cool opportunity. And we have a promo code LAST40. We don't get any kickback for that at all. There's no financial agreement to, all for, for you. that. It's just they, they know we're going to be talking about scale, and they want to get more people there, and they gave us a promo code LAST40. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess I get, I get the distinction of having sent some people if you use that promo code. So I guess in that sense, it helps the esteem of the show. Uh, but I don't get any money for it. Last 40 and you get a 40% discount and, uh, it's January 21st to the 24th. And there's a couple of days there where Ubicon will be overlapping scale. It's going to be a track at scale that you can attend. So you can go to both. Ubicon's free. They'd like you to register though. We'll have links in the show notes to do that. And we're planning to do a tentative brunch on uh, Friday. Brunch, you say? I do. An action power brunch, actually. I've already set up uh, the uh, meetup. So we're starting to organize now. I just kind of plugged in a temporary location, which may or may not be the uh, final location. So if you want to join us, go to meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Here's why. Uh, this is why we're doing this. It's kind of There's only going to be a short period of time where both Noah and I are at scale. I'm coming in to cover Ubicon and the first couple of days of scale. And then I'm, I'm leaving on Friday. And I'm going to try like hell to get back here by Sunday. I don't know if it's possible. I'm going to try. That is a mad dash. It might not work. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so I'm going to try to get back here by Sunday and do last from here with Noah doing it live from, sun, uh, from scale. So Noah's going to be there from Friday to Sunday to cover the, the latter half. And I think the week it's going to be big on the weekend. But the only day both Noah and I are going to be there is Friday so far as is planned. So we're scheduling a meetup in the kind of morning before scale really kicks off. The idea being people always got stuff going on in the evening. Right. So anyways, and I'm going to be leaving. So I just put the meetup link in the chat room. It's also in the show notes. And uh, uh, Mr. Popey, rumor has it there's also kind of like a little gathering before Ubicon kicks off on Wednesday. Do you know anything about that? Uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I've uh, kind of messed up. I'm getting out there really early. I'm getting on the – I think I'm leaving here on the 18th. So I'm going to be there around and about like a tourist. On um, Tuesday. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So uh, I, I yeah. may or may not. So here's what I'm planning to do is I'm planning to leave on the 16th and take one of the most beautiful drives in the United States nice. of America is Highway 101 because Ooh, from Washington yeah. to California, it's the coast the entire way. And I would recommend yeah, and and I've just been people. I've been reading people talking about it on blogs. They just rave about it. Yeah, and it, lots of like really nice, you know, small towns and stuff like that. So I'm planning to take that drive down to California. So we'll get some more rover log. Videos. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and uh, I'll probably arrive on the night of the 19th or the 20th. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure when I'll arrive because I'm going to take my time getting down there, and then I'm going to haul balls getting back. Uh, so cool. you've seen it all before. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'd love to have you guys at the uh, – anybody that's attending, you too, Popey, anybody who's attending, I'd love to have you at the uh, brunch if you can make it. And we may what change all all the details. All the details may change depending on Noah's flight because he hasn't locked in flights yet because his wife's birthday is right in there. But right now it's tentatively scheduled for Friday the 22nd at 9.30 a.m. And uh, we, I just figured we'd do lunch at a cafe right by the uh, – look, I found a nice cafe right by the uh, uh, event center, the convention center. But if people have a better suggestion that are more familiar with the area, I'm all ears. So there is a, a Linux Action Show subreddit thread where we're already organizing, um, and P4P3R has been kicking ass. He's been updating it with new details as I release them. So hopefully he'll update the post with a link to the meetup. I would prefer that this be where the discussion is had. I, I, don't, I don't really check the meetup forums very often because 
honestly, I got to check all these different places and I'm driving. So it's not super convenient to check the, the crappy meetup page. So if you want to have a, so we can organize and discuss right here in the subreddit. Uh, and uh, this is a great thread that's already going. And if you can attend, just join the meetup. Yep. Otherwise, you get to just watch from afar as uh, we kill ourselves to get this content to you. <laughs> hey, you know what I should do is I should mention uh, we have a shirt uh, that we're selling. Uh, Teespring. Uh, it's funny. You see, I didn't even plan for this, but teespring.com slash last 400. You're a natural seller. <laughs> well, it's because this whole scale event is, uh, well, I mean, I mean, really, to be honest with you, is sort of at the worst time ever because not only did Christmas just finish up uh, and not only is my daughter's birthday today, but on a personal side, I'm just finishing up a divorce, which... Uh, I've heard those uh, make you more wealthy. Is that accurate, Chris? <laughs> I, you know, because I have three kids and they're staying with Ange in that house, I'm giving them everything. Right. So I'm moving out on my own and I have, I don't, I, I literally am buying everything from toothbrushes on up. And so uh, I can't really personally afford to finance this. Like traditionally in the past, uh, whatever, whatever the gap is, I just pay for personally uh, is how right. I've done it for 10 years now. Uh, I can't really afford to do that anymore and not for a while. So uh, the idea is we have a couple of things that are coming up is I'd love to celebrate last 400 at that brunch, that power brunch we have is I'd, I'd love to have cameras there. I'd love to be able to afford to bring the gear there to record it. But in order to just get to scale, we're going to need to get funding. And then to be able to do something like a last 400 video, I want to make a video for last 400 while we're all at scale. That's my intention. And I would like to get all of that funded as much as we can without it going on my credit card. That's the base. That's, I mean, if I'm just being hundred percent honest with you, the idea was, this is something that we recognize we want to do. And I believe there is long-term value to the open source community by going there and documenting it the way that our shows do it. So I think there is value to the open source community, and I think it's also value to the show to make the show something that continues to be relevant and covers relevant Linux things. Uh, and so what this, what I, what this, at the end of it all is what I wanted to do was once again when we can – have you guys help us out, but also get something in the process. And these are all very nice items. They're not, they're not cheap. We don't make a huge margin on them. The quality is very good. We've worked with Teespring now for years, so we have a relationship with them that uh, allows us to call them up and say, hey, this doesn't work for us. You've got to fix this. And they've been very responsive. I, mean, I really like the spot we're in now because now we're able to really do some great stuff. The one thing we don't have the uh, leverage to do uh, which means the guys in the EU get a better deal, is over at teespring.com slash last400eu. We have the T-shirt. We have a hoodie. But they also have a tote bag. Oh, I want that tote bag. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to buy one. Maybe I two. I actually told Ange today to get me like three different ones because, you know, we can order from the EU. We just have to pay more in shipping. Right. So, But the EU guys don't have to. So at teespring.com slash last400eu... You get the EU shipping because they have a different. They have a different. Uh, like um, uh, they they set up another shop over there, so they do the printing locally. Right. Um, Topeg, Topeg at conferences a is idea. a no brainer. It's yep. a no brainer. So that is we we are like you need to bring that to the U.S. <laughs> so we've been, we're already talking to them, but they're like, yeah, we can't do it for this campaign. Uh, anyways. Uh, I would love to get your support, and I'd like you to get something, too. These shirts are great. These hoodies are killer. We have a bunch of different uh, colors. we got the ladies' fitted tee. And what we're going to do is uh, – so right now we've probably sold 26 or so uh, and, and a few other on the EU side. We're getting close to covering the gas to get down there, which is great. Right. You know, uh, but we're not really covering any shipping to get uh, the equipment, the big equipment from NOAA, and we're not really covering uh, anything to really do at the party. Uh, but we're getting close to covering the gas, which is great. Um, but we definitely are not there, so we could use a lot more support. And you know, really, I appreciate the fact that I can just sit here and tell you guys honestly why I'm doing it. Um, I hope that you understand that from a business standpoint, 
this is sort of our best way to keep doing this in a in a way that uh, allows us to sustainably produce these shows. Because if I overextend for uh, events as they come up, um, that's not a sustainable uh, approach. Put the network in jeopardy. Yeah, and but at the same time, uh, I also um, and I am I am willing to consider. I am definitely willing to, and I, and I don't. This is this is not like you have to do this or else. I am willing to consider that maybe the better option is to go to a commercial sponsor and have them just co- sponsor the hell out of an event. But I, I I don't know. I don't know if it is or not, and I'm willing to experiment with it. But I also really like the idea of as as best we can crowdsourcing it uh, because not only does that save me time when having to line up deals, uh, but it also just sort of lets you guys know I'm going there really for you, not to go promote somebody else. Uh, anyways. Teespring.com slash last400 or patreon.com slash today. And don't forget meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting for the meetup. And I got a link to the Ubicon stuff where they say Wednesday, January 20th, uh, one night before the event, there'll be a meeting around 1900 for an informal gathering to get to know each other. And I have a link to the whole Ubicon conference schedule in the show notes if you guys are going to be able to attend both. And it looks like there's going to be a Thursday night party, which uh, I don't know if I'm registered for. Hobie, you and I need to talk. Maybe you can get me in contact with somebody to make sure I'm, 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 I'm already in for all this stuff, okay? Because I want to go to that Thursday party. Maybe after the show, you and I can a little wink-wink. Nudge, nudge. Ooh. A party? That sounds good. Get drunk with Mark Shuttleworth, right? Yep. Right? Plus, you know, Body Pope, shots, I think. Plus, you know, Popey's drinking that watered-down beer over there. So you, when, you're, when you're here drinking the, uh, the uh, Sierra, the Sierra, what is it here? The, uh, the uh, uh, Celebration. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know he's going to get a little little... Little tipsy. So you're gonna to have to coax me off of dry January first, which won't be that hard to be honest. Dry January? Tell us more. Have you never never heard of this? Oh, it's just like you know, stop drinking for a month after the excess of Christmas. Oh, really? Oh, well, I don't think that'll be too hard. <laughs> no, it won't. It really won't. It doesn't count if you're in another country. Yeah, I'm first of sure. all, it's a oh, way different yeah, area code, true. so that doesn't yeah. count. And second of all, it's like the end of January, so it's you pretty much did it. <laughs> just just have to make sure nobody tells my wife. All right? Nobody, no problem. I, as long as she doesn't listen to the show, we're good. Yep. Which I think we're probably good. <laughs> Mm. I thought Everyone you... tweet at the real Popey. <laughs> I thought you had to drink to recover from Christmas and the time you spent with the family and everything. Popey, all you True. have to do is just think of a line that the wife will buy. I don't know if she has any anti-American sentiment in her, but just say, honey, I was down there around all those Yankees. It was just the worst. They, they smell bad. They don't drink any tea. And they drive on the wrong side of the road like a bunch of assholes. I needed something to soothe my nerves, and then she. Have you understand- been listening into my conversations with my wife? That's exactly <laughs> what I would say. <laughs> so there you go. So you just there. Yeah, you're, you got problem solved. I, you, well, I'm a problem solver. I people ought to consult me for relationship counseling. As a, as somebody's going through it's a, a divorce, side business here. I think I could make some money at that. Let me tell you something. Uh, all right, let me tell you another way. Maybe maybe it's not the counseling. Here's a way you could save some money. Switch to Ting. That would probably be a better way. Maybe my counseling uh, skills should uh, wait, and you should just switch to Ting. This would be a good time to do it at the beginning of the year. Linux.ting.com. That's where you go to support this here show. Also, get yourself a discount off some Ting gear, which is all unlocked and you own. Or get a credit if you bring a device. And they have a lot of devices because they have a CDMA and GSM network that you get to pick from. And some of these devices, like the Nexus I devices and some of the nicer ones, they have uh, the capability of running on CDMA or GSM. Now that's cool. Now you can get kind of picky. Now you can 
sort of say, well, I mean, for me, when, I, uh, when I'm out in the rover and I go somewhere over the weekend, sometimes I have better CDMA coverage and sometimes I have better GSM coverage. It just depends on the location. So I can be kind of savvy about that. And Ting has an incredible dashboard that lets you manage all of this stuff. It works on all of your devices, but it's actually good. It's actually useful. I don't really know how else to describe it. It is, you know, you can go in there, you can set nicknames for your devices. You can go in there and set alerts and you can set maximum thresholds. You can turn off individual level services that allows you to really get granular control over your account. You can do things like transfer to another, to another line from the control panel itself. You don't even have to call customer service. But it's, it's, not, it's not to get you to avoid using customer service because they have fanatical customer service that sticks with you until the problem is solved. So it's a really nice setup. So go to linux.ting.com to see more. They have great devices at great prices, and they also have a great blog. We uh, covered this in Linux Action Show this Sunday. Kyra just posted her top five apps over the last 12 months. Pretty good video. And they also have done some recent holiday cord cutter uh, posts that are really useful if uh, you need to cut the cord. And they've also even... Got the sports, which I know, Wes, you're a big sports guy. You're it's a hard, huge... It's hard to find those college football... Playoff games, games on mm-hmm. the internet. Sports ball. You know, I, I actually got a couple of good ideas from reading the blog post, even though I'm not a sports guy, because I just am really interested in getting live TV on the internet and right. things like that. And that was actually... It was a good post. TV, the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it really seems like they're made up of people like us. They really are. They really which are. Which is awesome. It is kind of cool. And, you know, so because they're owned by two cows which has been around forever, and they're like one of the original internet companies that figured out how to survive the dot-com boom and do things right. And so there's certain things that they just really, like they just follow by law. It's just like their own personal law. Linux.ting.com. Go there, support the show, and get $25 off your first unlocked device and go own it. Linux.ting.com. And a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. I love it. All right, Ryan, I uh, hope you are back here, sir, because I would love to talk to you about what's going on at the Minecraft project. Ryan? Did he make it back? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. There you go. Okay, Ryan. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm here, and uh, I've got a lot to talk about. Well, now, hold on. Let's tease it a little bit. So uh, Ryan emails me, and we're talking back and forth about a couple things that you guys will probably hear about more down the road. And there was a tease that there might be something landing that people, a tangible thing people can go get their hands on online and look at. And sort of maybe even contribute to. I don't want to say any more. I'm excited already. But I'm just saying something interesting could be dropping very soon from the Minecraft project. You think I've teased properly, Ryan? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, so what's going on? (laughs) Tomorrow at 3 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. I don't know what it is in UTC. (laughs) Okay. We are releasing the Adapt Intent Parser, which is our uh, software library that we use to convert natural language into machine-readable data structures. So what that means... <laughs> yeah. So it's the, it's the intent parser, you said? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And this is kind of some of the secret sauce of Mycroft, so we're really releasing probably yeah. one of our most powerful tools right out of the gate. That's um, I, uh, Ryan, I, I might have you check your input a little bit because you're clipping a little bit. Uh, I, I, I think this sounds like, and I'm going to ask you if I'm right or not, but this sounds like this is sort of like the critical decision-maker piece that once I've been given input, I have to d- decide what the intent of that input was. Are they looking to do a thing? Are they asking about a thing? Do I have that right? That's exactly correct. Uh, the What it does is it looks at your sentence or your query and uh, parses it <laughs> and it decides what the person is trying to do and then turns it into an action. 
or turns it into at least a JSON little data set that an application can use to take an action. That kind of seems like that's a core thing that makes Siri and Google Now useful is they know when I say, what's the weather like today? They're able to grab the context out of that and say, well, today is this, like they get the intent of what I'm doing. Like that seems like a, that seems like the, the thing that makes these things actually smart. Yeah, that's right. And uh, since we had, actually when we uh, began after the Kickstarter, we had received a lot of attention and Josh and I, uh, the founders, had uh, we had a what we call Mycroft Legacy now, and uh, we were using a variety of tools in order to perform this action. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Sean Fitzgerald, who was formerly one of the developers at Siri and on the Amazon Echo, okay. came over and he brought this with him. Oh wow! An earlier version of this, yeah. and he was like, "Hey, I've been working on this. I was going to open source it, um, but it seemed like it would be a good fit for your guys' project." considering I had spoken on multiple occasions about wishing that I didn't have to rely on outside APIs to do this type of task. And, uh, Ah, so this is, this is huge in the sense too, that you're now less reliant on third party services. Yeah, that's right. And so we immediately, uh, once I realized what he'd brought with him, I was like, uh, we need to put some resources into this and get this as polished as we can and then share it with the world. And so, uh, we, we, Put some th- we've put some polish on it. It's still early days, but you know our release is in July of you know everything, and so uh, I we're just opening it up now so the community can get in there and hack it and use it for other things other than you know what we've used it for. I actually got some ideas laid out here because I wanted to share them with your audience because I'm really excited for yeah. people to use it. Yeah. What is a? Could you tell us what what's the license going to be? What is it written in? Oh, it's yeah. going to be. Uh, it's Python. It's all written in Python. Oh, great. <laughs> it's, being, it's being released under um, the LGPL uh, awesome. version 3. Wow. wow. We were we were originally going to release it under the GPL uh, version 3, but we realized that um, some people wouldn't be able to use it in their applications ah. because of the the nature of yeah, uh, right. the GPL. So to go unlimited sort of negated that? Yeah. And so uh, the LGPL can be used with, with other licenses a lot easier. And uh, that was a conversation that that I had with the community on uh, mostly on Google Plus. I I just asked. I was like, you know, hey, we're going to release this this new project. I want to know what you guys think we should release it under. And uh, the overwhelmingly, they said LGPL. So not to get too wow. down into the weeds, Ryan, but uh, does this intent parser kick in before or after a call out to a remote service? Where is this fall in sort of the uh, decision chain that a Mycroft device follows? So right now what happens is uh, it kind of depends on the device um, because Adapt sometimes has to live on our servers with with our testing with really small embedded devices that don't have any processing, real processing power on board. Mm -hmm. But it's super lightweight. We've run it on the original Raspberry Pi uh, Mm. and the B Plus Mm. um, and it was just fine. It was fast and responsive and, uh, and it lives on the on our current Mycroft stack, if you're using the embedded device, so if you're using the Mycroft unit that we raise money for in the Kickstarter, it actually does live locally. So the so the query goes out, um, w- the STT, whatever we're using for STT, in this case, it'd you know, be WIT AI or Google STT, would come back with the, the text, so what you said. And then uh, the adapt intent parser sitting on the unit would look at it and turn it into actionable data, which then Mycroft would take the next action, uh, whether that be 
calling out to an API uh, to get the weather or, you know, casting something to the Chromecast. So uh, now um, this uh, this piece is uh, sort of been pre-developed. Are you are you concerned at all about uh, anybody that's going to claim, you know, things like uh, uh, intellectual property patents or anything like that? Is this a, is this a minefield for you guys or is this are you feeling safe? We're feeling pretty safe. Um, it's a different approach than uh, it, it, what, so. There's two things. There, a there's nothing like this out there that's open source right now, um, right. which is just a giant hole that's that's missing in the world, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, and it could be used for so many other things than what we're using it for, like chatbots. Uh, you know, uh, IRC I, bots I actually and, keep thinking of studio automation tasks that I could use. Yeah. Right. And robots and video games. Video games would be so cool if you could like type something to a character and have them understand what your you know your intent, um, and uh, or like a phone system or analysis of large amounts of data. Like you know if you were analyzing a whole bunch of Twitter, a whole bunch of tweets, you know this could pick out really <laughs> you know various things about what they're what oh they're so doing you mean you mean there's like you mean there's wide applications outside of even. AI device or uh, devices that's, like this. There, you mean there, yeah. there could be server-side background analysis applications for something like this. That's exactly right. And so I and and to answer your question, because I kind of sidestepped there, the we're not worried about um, copyright infringing or anything like that because uh, because we kind of have so many people now from backgrounds who have worked on projects like this before that that a lot of people say that you know our our approach is a lot different than than those of the other existing companies. And that they they don't think that it's really necessarily going to to be a problem, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. But, but it uh, seems like it, it, it seems uh, one of the things, Ryan, that has always struck me about these um, uh, personal assistants, be it Amazon Echo, and today I talked about it in Tech Talk today. Ford announced in it, they're looking to integrate with the Amazon Echo, so that way you can give it commands from your car. It seems like what you really need for these things to ever be useful is ubiquitous ubiquity. Uh, so, like, I would need one in my home. I would need one in my office. I might need one in my car, and I would maybe need one in in different areas of my house. And uh, I think the only way to truly make that possible is to have the device be different types of devices for different scenarios. Maybe in my studio, it's all running on a computer. Maybe in my RV, it's on a little Mycroft uh, appliance box, and in my kitchen, it's a Mycroft appliance box. But maybe in my studio, uh, it's something that's on, uh, you know, just a Raspberry Pi that I've implemented myself. It seems like the ability to have the stuff behind this, the open source software behind this, run on a server on, in a different form of implementation actually gives the possibility of true ubiquitous, ubiquity in this kind of artificial in assistant. So I don't have to have just my phone. I don't have to have just the Mycroft device. I don't have to be in just this room. And uh, if I have even a little uh, DIY uh, uh, inspiration, I could roll it myself or somebody could make a product that does it. I could even have it running on my server that's checking my email in some degree. It seems to me that o- open source isn't just uh, uh, a licensing thing, but it actually makes like this truly an Internet of Things capable uh, device or or, um, set of software. Yeah, you nailed it on the head. The the idea where a lot of people are are too siloed in their thinking about what this type of technology means and where it's going to live. Mycroft in the the thing that I keep saying, you know, in, in interviews is is Mycroft is not just going to live on the Mycroft unit. Mycroft in in the world that that we envision lives yeah. on the computer. Yeah. It lives on the phone. It lives on the 
freaking dishwasher. Maybe it's a, it's on a droplet and uh, working on something I gave it. You know, like yeah, exactly. And and these parts and and the thing that was the most frustrating when we took up this task was none of this was there. There were there were there were some uh, projects that were kind of you know tackling maybe a little bit of one right. part of what we're doing, but the thing is, in order for us to actually make a dent and and compete with the proprietary applications that are coming out, we have to. We've found ourselves having to tackle various parts of this project, which is fine. They need to be. They need to be tackled, and uh, yeah. and so this is one part. You know, the adapt engine is one. So part. I guess in in day to day, my here's where I here's to bring it all to a sort of like a point, a relevant point is. I could see myself having a Mycroft AI unit in my kitchen, and then I go upstairs to work in my office, and instead of having another hardware that I spent 100 or 200 or whatever it is, I have Mycroft on the desktop, and it also is using my desktop mic, and it is it is also aware of the same things my, my kitchen version is, but in the kitchen I have in a self-contained appliance unit, and on my up in my office where I have a, my nice powerful desktop, I'm just running the Mycroft software. That Does that seem like a feasible uh, implementation to you? Yes, it does. In fact, I'm running it on my desktop right now. Hey. Earlier, so what else can you I, tell us about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we did release a video um, yeah. just, just a couple days ago about oh. Minecraft on the desktop. But the uh, but the other thing is, I yesterday, or was it the day before? I don't know. Aaron's sitting next to me. He knows, I'm sure. I launched every application I could on my computer via Minecraft, and my fan was like, kicking up and making all sorts of noise because I didn't close any of them. I just kept have, asking him to open <laughs> more and more and more. Yeah. And, uh, and it was crazy what a- accuracy was. And I, and I realized like, yes, you could just go and pick through your applications and open, you know, that random one, but it is. Are you so using Minecraft on an Oryx pro? There is. Yeah. There's an Oryx pro next to me that has it on it. It's a mitochondria. Mitochondria. An organelle containing enzymes responsible for producing energy. Hey, Minecraft, what is 31 divided by 6? 5.16 repeating. It kind of sounds like Wimpy. Are you telling <laughs> me Are you telling me that System76 gave you Oryx Pros for this video? Are you telling me that? Because I want Oryx Pro real bad. Are you, they didn't. They didn't give us one. You that's, bought that's it? Aaron, that's Aaron's, yeah. They're always, it. okay. I got right, back from okay. System 76, right. and I was talking about what yeah. the nice build quality was and everything, yeah. the and Oryx he Pro, broke down and bought it yeah. in a I mean, frenzy. I, I want one so bad, I was about to get super jelly, because uh, you know what? I, I got to say, uh, I, I, I want to be first in line if they're, if they're giving them away. All right. Now, <laughs> hey, I want to say one thing about the Oryx Pro real yeah. quick. Okay. Before we... The keyboard on that is the best keyboard I've ever used. Yeah, the, just it, saying. I just put. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I got to use it for one night and I fell in love. So uh, I, I'm, I'm inferring from the video here that this is a working uh, thing. Is this something I can get my hands on yet? Not yet. April. April is when. I mean, you. Maybe we can work something out, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but we're like I keep saying, we're really just trying to ensure that our first um, the, every each of these projects around Mycroft, we're trying to make as solid as possible before we before we release it to be contributed to because part of that is not does this run well but it's how what's the um what's it look like when someone wants to contribute back to this project Mm. are they able to do that in a in an easy way are they able to do they have the documentation they need do they have the tools they need in order to develop for it and so um, people just want me 
a lot of people ask me like to just throw everything out there in one big release party. But I'm like, you know, if I throw it out there without enough documentation, this is actually a problem that people aren't used to dealing with this um, artificial intelligence um, or in the in the event of like natural language processing. And so um, I, I've tried. I've set people in front of it and said like, hey, you know, look at this. And they're like, I don't I'm not familiar with any of these terms. I don't know how any of this works. And it's because it's because we're we're used to creating applications where you yeah. point and grunt. Right. You know, right. you're not used to parsing uh, what people say so is and this, turning that into actionable. Is this you know, your way of letting letting me know that you're not going to bring a demo unit to scale? I am bringing a demo oh, unit. Nice. Nice. Yes, I was hoping so. I want to see it. Yeah, I've heard you're giving out uh, demos, and I'm hoping to see one at uh, Scale. Watch Chris's hands; he will steal it. Ryan, what is your hope? I mean, aren't you aren't you at least a little concerned that the noise of the convention floor will make the audio interaction impossible with the thing? So I'm I'm not I'm concerned about that, but I'm also planning on. I already talked to Jono because I gave him a demo earlier today. And uh, we talked about stealing a side room in oh, order to go. show people good, so good. that we weren't. Because, yes, it just like when you're talking to a person, yeah. if lots of people are yelling around it, yeah. you know, so it's, sometimes think, it picks you up, sometimes yeah. it, it's I think like, be hey, a, I don't know That's got to be said. the worst case scenario right. is a convention floor for a device. So if it even works at all, there, yeah. probably uh, Make sure you grab uh, me or Noah and let's, let's, uh, let's get a little video of it because that would be amazing when we're down there. So Ryan, yeah. what else do we need to talk about today? Because I, I feel like there's there's other things, but I, I don't uh, nothing comes to the top of my head. Well, I just really want to remind people that 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 what's coming out tomorrow is Adapt and Temp Parser, and we are so excited to see what people will be using Adapt for, what ideas they have. Um, we're right now. I've been spending all day working on the documentation, trying to make it as easy as possible for people to get up and use it for something, and. Uh, and this, if you if you start with this and you really gain an understanding of this, you'll be able to on day one probably write uh, various skills from Mycroft. Mm. So it's not a it's not a waste of time to yeah. pop in and and learn a little bit about this. And what I want to see are really really intelligent IRC bots. <laughs> like that seems like a perfect match for this. It does. You know? yeah. It really does. And JBot gets an upgrade in 2016. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and you know, like I said, robots would be a really good match for this, huh. and and video games. Video games are the clearest one to me because you could have characters who understand, wow. you know, the simplest of phrases. This, like this very hey, well may be the or- originator of the intended parser for the frickin' holodeck. Yeah, that could right. be right. Oh, I know what we should talk about, Chris. Yeah, and I haven't committed to this, but uh, it's in the back of your mind. My, something you got kicking my, around. Yeah, I keep. I shouldn't commit to things on. on no, this the isn't a commitment. You. This is this is this is a brainstorming session. Oh, a brainstorming session. So I told Chris uh, this, so everybody knows that we should uh, we should totally pimp the RV with Mycroft units. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. The rover's got to be upgraded with Mycroft AI. I'm not kidding. That's got to happen. I yeah, just don't. But not I, just one. Not just one. You don't want to. You don't want the unit at the front of the. No. The, you got to have one. The, you got to. You got to have one in the back where the business is too. Because and the, in the in the bathroom too. Oh. Oh yeah. Just yeah. Everywhere. That's a everywhere. good point. Yep. That you basically nailed the three sound isolation zones where where I would need uh, mic coverage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can, so can you hook uh, Mycroft up to accelerometers and things like that so it can say to Chris in the middle of the night, "Stay calm. It's just an earthquake." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. 
you know, this is something that that uh, that we don't talk about enough anymore. But remember, the actual units themselves are are uh, with the exception of the Raspberry Pi, which you know some people are like that's not open hardware. But the the unit itself is completely open. You you can pop it open. Um, there's a Raspberry Pi in there, and there's an Arduino's, and there's you know all everything's exposed. All the ports are exposed, so you can hack on it if you want to and add whatever it is that, that you actually in the rover imagine. could be a useful feature. That could be a very useful feature. Uh, somebody somebody asked in uh, in chat, and I just wanted to tell them you you do not need a uh, Mycroft unit in order to use Mycroft on the desktop. Mm, right. So that but. I would still encourage anybody who's who's been on the edge um, to order a Mycroft unit because it supports the development effort. Yeah, but the uh, but you no, know, you know, I've, anyone who has the ability to install Debian packages should be able to run Mycroft on their um, desktop. Cool. Now, Wimby, you said you had a question. Go ahead. Yeah, um, we've obviously heard quite a lot about uh, Mycroft over the last sort of six to nine months. I was just curious how much time you'd been working on it prior to the Kickstarter. I started mm. working on uh, Mycroft. Mycroft probably was born in January of 2015. I think that sounds right. And uh, then, then that was Josh Montgomery, the CEO, at the time, him and I, um, I actually hung out at his makerspace. And what he, what had happened is he'd seen a um, really simple like AI at another makerspace. It was all like you just said a specific word, and it just had a pre-selected like uh, action that it took. And so he start we started geeking out about you know geek things, and <laughs> he started <laughs> he started telling me about this, and I was like, and we were like you know, maybe we can make this. That would be so awesome if there was, if the makerspace that we, you know, hang out in had this in every room and you could say like, Hey, Mycroft, where's this, you know, do this, play this music. And, uh, and so it was originally named Scarlet though. Um, after Scarlet Johansson. And (laughs) I'm all, now I'm in love. Now, now you sold me. And then, uh, over time, um, when we started playing with, uh, our early code, we were like, this is actually really awesome. We should make a product out of this. And uh, that's where that was kind of born. So um, I got on around March or April. And so um, it's been worked on since January 2015. Uh, and then the Kickstarter was, of course, I think around September. Um, I kind of, that was so, there was so much going on at that point uh, <laughs> with Mycroft that my mind has kind of like blocked out <laughs> all of that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it the anybody who thinks you just throw up a Kickstarter and your and money rolls in is just wrong. <laughs> anyway, so uh, you're saying the device was inspired by the movie Her? No, not necessarily. Have you seen the that movie? movie? The, the yeah, AI yeah. voiced by Scarlett Johansson. It was it was inspired by many things. Yeah, One I know. Of which, I'm just teasing. Uh, well, the, you know the namesake, right? Of Mycroft? No, I don't. Yeah. Oh, you did. I think you told me, but I don't remember. It's named after the AI in uh, the Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Right. Okay. It, yeah, it's also the name of the yeah, Sherlock Holmes brother, but yeah, uh, right, right, right. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, the so yeah, we've been working on it for uh, well, it's January now, so a full year. Hmm. Um, That's remarkable pro- progress. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty neat to see. It is, yeah, really good momentum. Yeah, and I mean, if especially if you're ready to show a device at scale, that's pretty cool. I'm excited to see that footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I. Uh, 
I'm really excited to share it. You know, uh, so where do I go right now? I know I go to my Mycroft AI for the for the project. If I if I wanted to jump in with the funding, where else could I go? Let me post a link. It's at it's it's Indiegogo. You can pre-order okay. um, on Indiegogo. They have okay. a nice pre-order system. I'm going to post a link in the chat. Sure. And then if you can post it yep. in the show notes, yep. that would be awesome. No problemo. Yeah, I think this is really neat. And one of the things I like about it is I, I would like to have a hardware device. I genuinely think that's neat. Uh, but I also love the idea of just turning all of my Linux desktops uh, into uh, something that contributes to this thing. Like right. if they could all be tied into the same information sources and I have the same kind of functionality on my desktop that I could have in, say, my kitchen or the rover would really be pretty unique. And uh, like VR and other things that are really kind of developing right now, I would love to see Linux really have something here for this. And uh, what Mycroft to me, in my estimation – is it's putting us kind of ahead of the overall com- competition because the competition can't offer what Minecraft can offer, and it's powered by Linux. So this is this is the one to get behind, in my opinion. Yeah, and let me tell you guys something that's really exciting. I we uh, we updated uh, w- so everything that Minecraft can do is called a skill, hmm. and we updated our skill framework hmm. um, right before Christmas, and so on December twenty fourth. We're getting ready to head up to my parents' house, and I've I'm got the Mycroft code base open. And I said, I'm I'm just going to see with the new because it looked really simple. The new skill framework. I'm like, I'm going to see how quickly I can create a skill. I created a skill in 15 minutes, and that was with me having not touched the skill the new skill framework. Like I'm granted, I'm fam- somewhat familiar with you know how how these things are developed and everything, but. Um, Sean and Jonathan, two of our developers, had really headed up the new skill framework, and I just sat down, looked at an ex- another skill that hmm. was based on the new framework, and wrote one in 15 minutes. That's great. It was a it was a Pokedex. Oh. So if oh, any of wow. you have played Pokemon, you could say like, "What does the Pokedex <laughs> say about this Pokemon?" Jeez. And it would tell you. <laughs> and so it was seemed like an easy target. Sure. And so and I was going up to see, visit my uh, little brother in law. He's like 13, and so it was it was nice to be able to show him that. But uh, but just when I did that, I would thought, holy crap, like that my own like our own project surprised me because I thought if That's I could cool. do this in 15 minutes, people can do amazing things. You know, like there's so much out there that that can be done and. And yeah. that's why we're so excited. I, we're trying think, to get this stuff ready as quickly as we can to get it out there and get people, you know, having fun with it. It's probably worth mentioning, too, uh, if you go to the Indiegogo page. You can also just get in. You can just chip in at five bucks or ten bucks. You know, you get a sticker, thirty bucks, and you get the dev kit. Uh, you don't. You don't have to go all the way in to, if you can't afford to get a hardware device, but you still think this is a great idea. Uh, there's a five dollar and ten dollar and thirty five or thirty. We don't want the open source desktop to be, you know, left in the wayside with Cortana and Siri. Yeah, screw oh, Cortana. Need that. Yeah, screw right? Cortana. Yeah. So, really. can I share something else that what? I that was really awesome? There's yeah. so much. I just need like we need a Mycroft action show. Um, <laughs> well, maybe but we, anyway, we very well might one day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the other thing that we got um, running really well was uh, up until just last week, I think, or the week before, we were we, we had run Mycroft on a Ubuntu phone emulator. And uh, so we finally got two Ubuntu phones, and we threw uh, and we got Mycroft running on the Ubuntu phones. Cool. Um, wow. So I was I so but I was getting upset because uh, <laughs> because I was it to I knew it could text because uh, the other phone was able to text people by by saying Hey Mycroft text so and so this is awesome 
you know, I'd text that message to them. Yeah. And so I was sitting there and I was like, hey, Mycroft, text Aaron, you know, this is awesome. And then I, it didn't, I didn't do anything. And I was like, hey, Mycroft, text Aaron, this is awesome. And so I was getting really pissed. And so I looked in the logs and it's like, you haven't put any contacts in the phone. I don't have anybody <laughs> named Aaron to send a message to. <laughs> and so, uh, but it was, it, it, it's just so awesome that the tech is, that it's so awesome using Ubuntu with like whether it be on the desktop yeah. or on the phone yeah. with a uh, personal assistant. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Yeah, it, absolutely. It's 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 just... Good. I think that a lot of people are going to appreciate having that option on uh, the Linux desktop and also having the ability to add things that are specific to you. Right. Uh, and if it got Aaron's, really crazy big one day, so, you know, somebody could make an Android app, somebody could, you know... Uh, I mean, it could, it could be on all the platforms. Right. Yeah, open, Aaron's so writing easy. an in-map skill. <laughs> nice. There you go. Ooh. So I, I think uh, North Ranger uh, sort of summarizes it uh, a lot. And I, it really, for, for me, North Ranger, I don't know about you, but it comes down to the fact that uh, Mycroft doesn't have sort of an overall uh, multinational corporate strategy tax, where uh, Cortana has the tax of whatever Microsoft intends to do with their Bing and in, and Azure and the entire Microsoft Windows ecosystem. And Google obviously wants to keep you using Google Search. They want to be able to mine your data for advertising. Siri locks you into the Apple platform. Mycroft doesn't have that baggage. And I don't know about you, North Ranger, but I think that's maybe its most attractive feature. What do you think? I totally agree. Um, having something that both individuals who'd want to add their own skills, uh, you know, and it's an attractive. Uh, Mycroft is an attractive system for that. And, you know, if it, if it takes off, I'd, I'd love to see, you know, outside companies, uh, you know, publishing their own Mycroft skills, um, you know, and not have to feel like they're giving away their secret sauce to Google or Amazon or whoever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, M. Hall wants help, uh, Ryan, installing it at scale. So uh, you're going to be doing a little tech support while you're down at scale with Mr. Hall. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, be better? keep. Uh, I'll keep your eyes peeled for uh, Adapt getting released tomorrow. If you are not already following us on Twitter, um, it's at Mycroft underscore AI. And if you're on Google Plus, it's plus Mycroft A dot I. Yeah. And, uh, and you can find us. If you if you search, you can find us, and maybe we can get it in the show yep. notes. But Yep, yep. I'll, yeah. have it linked. I'll have that linked up in the show notes for you because I think it's worth checking out. And, you know, Ryan, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing this with us. It's been, it is extremely fascinating to follow this as you're working on it. So it, it really means a lot to you come in and, t- and chat about it with us. I love coming in chatting about this stuff. Well, thank you, sir. So St- thanks. Stick around if you want to, because uh, after I go through and own up to my 2015 predictions later on in the show, uh, I'm going to open up the floor to some predictions, and I'd like to hear some of yours. So uh, stick around if you can. And uh, before we get into the rest of the show... I'm going to take a moment and thank Linux Academy, sponsors of the Unplugged Show now uh, for a long time. And I think that's because this is an obvious fit. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of it a really no-brainer, is. actually. Uh, this, is, this is a resource created for Linux users by Linux users who give a shit about open source. And if that sounds like somebody that kind of is in line with the things that you care about, 
That might be why it's such a great fit. Maybe that just has something to do with it. I don't quite know. Uh, but you go over to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and take advantage of our discount and go check out the Linux Academy. They really – I mean I joke. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun with you here. But let's be serious. This Linux enthusiast got together with educators and developers and they made the Linux Academy platform for people who know what Linux is, know what all of the different st- stuff in the stack is that you need to learn, and they know they needed a good place to go to learn it from people who actually care. So they've got over 2,000 video courses you can take with instructor help when you need it, downloadable comprehensive study guides, seven plus Linux distributions you get to choose from. It automatically adjusts the courseware and the virtual machines that you can SSH into from your favorite SSH client and do it like a boost, which is nice, right in with your existing workflow. They have the entire AWS stack. If you want to get into the Red Hat certified courseware, they've got that. If you want to learn like the Ubuntu LAMP stack, they've got that. If you want to go into Nginx or Python or Ruby, if you want to go into Android development, if you want to go into virtualization and containerization, they have all of it. This is something that they've been really good at is they watch what's going on because they're into it just like we are. And then they pull the trigger on the stuff they know that's really going to be the long-term stuff that's going to add value to your life to learn. They have scenario-based labs, so you get real hands-on experience. So you're actually working with this stuff. So when you go to do it in person, it's not the first time you've ever done it. When you're actually doing it, getting paid for it, it gives you that kind of confidence in their lab servers. And then they have that instructor help. That, to me, that to me seems like the big differentiator. Because it, these topics are not like learning after effects where there's Tens and thousands of After Effects guys out there that they could go contract. It's not tightening the bolts on your sink that there's tons and tons and tons of ways to get instructions and help on that with experts that can help you. It is, you know, working with a Red Hat server. It's setting up AWS and working with S3. These are a little more esoteric, more complicated types of questions. And they have instructor help when you need it. They have graded server exercises. You log into a lab. You perform a specific task. And then they'll automatically grade your actions so you can see how well you did. This is really nice. Talk about the kind of experience you get from something like that. And remember, it's choosing from the distro that you've selected. That's pretty cool, too. And imagine the amount of work they have to do to make that work. Right? That's the thing. That's the thing that we thought about doing for How To Linux, and we're like, whoo, we don't have a staff of a bajillion. We could never do it. <laughs> right. You have to pick one. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Go check them out. They just recently revamped their back-end uh, distribution infrastructure, whole new CDN. HTML5 players throughout, so it works on all your good devices. It really is a great resource. You can support the show by going to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring. Thank you. The Unplugged Program. Okay, Wes. So every year, this guy comes along now with his big old list of crap that don't work on the Linux desktop. And this is the major Linux problems for 2016 edition. And uh, this is, as put, a regularly updated article of all of the things that are wrong with Linux distributions. Now, Wes, did you get a chance by uh, by any chance to go through this long list of items? And did you get a sense of uh, th- this person's intent when you went through this list? Y- yes. Uh, I think the intent is good. I think it's a helpful catalog. I think there are some items where it, it reads more emotionally or more mm, heat of the moment than it could. I think there are some items that are either dated or... I think a lot of it also draws attention to this fails in some cases. Mm. And it's important that we note that, right? Because any failure is important, but it also kind of, I think, highlights some things where it's like, well, you may have that problem, 
but 90% of people do not. I, I think what, the, what it really lacks is a real sense of context, and, and statistics and, right. and the larger context. Do you have a sense if uh, this person is experienced with Linux or uh, with other operating systems? Do you have a sense if they are, have a good technical capability? Yes, I would say – I would say it does. It sounds like someone who's been in the trenches, yeah, using I, a Linux desktop for a long time, and and continues to do so. I know yeah. a lot of people who have jumped that ship. You know, now they're on the Mac. Now they they use Windows because they have games. This person sounds like someone yeah. who's put up with a lot, yeah, and who's you know had run the yeah. full gamut of. In fact, he says here, I want to make it one thing crystal clear: Windows, in some regards, is even worse than Linux, and it's definitely not ready for the desktop either. Right. <laughs> and I think I think a lot of these too are you know how you define that ready for the desktop because yeah. there's some of these where it's like well. If you have, if you, if ready for the desktop is you need it to work reliably, hundred percent production machine with this specific equipment, maybe it won't. Is it right. ready for your grandmother's computer to browse the web and write up a word, you know, or yeah, maybe it document? is right. And those are two different interpretations of the desktop. So here's where he starts. Open source NVIDIA driver is much slower, up to five times than its proprietary counterpart due to improperly working power management. And the AMD and Intel graphic drivers can significantly be slower than the proprietary counterparts. This is a huge issue. He says, uh, and I think this is a this is a prime example of what you were just saying. Uh, that those of us that would be using, in my estimation, the open source NVIDIA driver, could give really no crap about the performance. We right. just really want to be able to hook up a projector, or hook up an external monitor, hook up our TV, or just run our single monitor. And as long as the windows render properly, and the if there is some sort of desktop effect, it is within appropriate response time. They're happy. Nice. That's the baseline. All they need from the open source driver. Those of us who want every bit of performance out of our GPU we can, we're already compelled to run the, the proprietary driver for other reasons. So this right off the surface is it's not taking into context this complaint. Uh, and I would, I would also, I could take a moment and mention that the graphic situation is not necessarily much better on the Mac. The, right. uh, the, the Mac has horrible GPU, uh, 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 GPU drivers. So, and in some cases, the open source, like I know, like the open source AMD graphics, while they may not be great currently for 3D, the 2D stuff is great. They support multiple yeah. monitors flawlessly. So I think his first complaint sort of puts into context what you're saying with the overall issue we take with the article is it's sort of – it blurs the lines between different use cases and it just tries to take – Linux is a very flexible operating system that can work in a lot of different um, – different scenarios, and some scenarios have different requirements. Right. So, some of those requirements are directly at odds. You know, if it works well yeah. in one scenario, maybe it can't. Yeah. All right. So, Mumble Room, as we go through these, feel free to chime in uh, as you like. That was our first one. But there's a, here's some other ones in here that, uh, you know what, they, they ring a little true. Let's talk about the audio subsystem. Let's start with my favorite one because it affects the Mumble Room. No reliable echo cancellation. If you use a normal microphone and speakers, in many cases, you won't be able to use Skype and VoIP services normally. Windows, Android, and Mac OS all implemented a voice cancel, echo, echo, echo cancellation on a system level. There's a solution for Pulse Audio and hopefully be enabled by default in the future. This is legitimately something that is kind of a pain in the ass on Linux. Are you familiar with that solution? I, I am not. I am not. I'll the solution is don't use speakers, use headphones. Right. That's the solution. <laughs> because even voice cancellation, echo cancellation isn't that great on the other platforms either. Just don't don't use uh, don't use Hangouts or Mumble with a microphone and open speakers. Use use a headset or something like that. Which is what many professional broadcasters would be doing anyway. Yeah. All right. No reliable sound system. No reliable unified audio mixing implemented on all modern OSs except for Linux. Many old and or proprietary applications still open audio output exclusively, causing major user problems and headache. 
Too many layers of abstraction lead to situations where the user cannot determine why audio input-output doesn't work. Also kernel drivers. Also library connected to DMX, connected to the Pulse audio server, then the also library, then the Pulse backend, then the application. That's six layers of redirection. And then you add the seventh layer in the case of KDE because they have phone on. That seventh layer really is killer sometimes too. Yeah, it really is. That seventh. Six, six seems to work. Yeah. It's like a dip, man. The seven-layer dip, It's nothing bothers my gut except for the cheese on the top. It's that, <laughs> right. it's that seventh layer that actually bothers my gut, damn it. Uh, you know, it's funny because as, as somebody who is sitting in front of two Linux computers right now uh, doing an audio podcast – I'm not really having a lot of audio issues with these machines. It really is only under KDE that I ever have problems. Otherwise, I really like Pulse Audio, actually. Yeah. I used it to, uh, as like an RTP source to play to some other speakers yeah. the other day, and it was two, really? two clicks of the config, and yeah. it just was playing. So as room. an end user, uh, if you remove Plasma Desktop from the equation, I actually don't feel like these are legitimate complaints because they're not – they don't really impact the end user. And there are definitely people who have weird pulse situations, especially yeah. on older distros. Yeah, Mumble Room, feel free to disagree. But uh, in my estimation, this is kind of a non-issue for the average user. Unless you got three or four sound cards. Or and... you need it to not be mixed at the end. You know, you need direct output to the card. Then you might have to do some workarounds. Yeah. But for people who just want to listen to their YouTube video and have it play at the same time as another sound, yeah. it works great. And we got no disagreement from the lug. So we move I, w- on. I would say a unified... Um... Control panel for mm. all like distros of Linux yeah. would Poof be control. better because Poof control be, because like um, like there's sometimes when we have issues staging people and sometimes you know they don't know their own control panel yeah. and you're on a different distro and then you have to try to find some example yeah that is and it yeah. really doesn't help yeah that is a good point. That is a good point. That is kind of a... even here on my little Mint laptop they have a native sound settings you know yeah cinnamon. Which yeah. is different than I like yep. Pavu control more, so yep. that's what I use. But yeah, that's a good point. That is that is well received. Uh, okay, so uh, and and I don't really have a response to it other than uh, it makes remote remote support scenarios a little more difficult. Right. Uh, this this was a point that he made at almost five times in the article, over and over again, and I and I and I'm really curious to see what the mumble room says about this one, as he puts it. An insane number of regressions in the Linux kernel when with every new Linux kernel release, hardware can stop working inexplicably. Incomplete drivers, playback regressions on audio, all kinds of problems. He he pounds this issue throughout the entire article. Kernel regressions all the time. Kernel regressions all the time. Insane amounts of bugs introduced with every kernel version. That's really, really happens. No, that happens all the time for me. All the time. Really? Okay. In in what in what use case scenario are you experiencing regressions all the time? Tell me. Typically, the AMD open source driver, because it seems like they rewrite significant parts of it every single major release. But that's not that's not really the Linux kernel, right? That's the driver. But, but it's it's shipped with the kernel, right? It's the open source driver that ships with the kernel. It's a module that ships okay. with it. So are most okay. of the other devices that okay. he can talk about here. Okay. All right. So. And I think he's he, – by reading this entire article, I, I grok he's kind of talking about audio devices. I almost get the sense that he's an audio engineer that works with some Linux systems by reading this article because he gets into the specifics about like the bit rates on Linux audio and stuff right. that I do kind of agree with that seems like you would only know of unless you professionally work with it. And so I could see sound devices breaking on him. Uh, I guess I was just surprised because I I pretty much – I am running current Linux kernels 
on four out of six machines I use regularly. And it also seems like another one where the at least the one you were just reading there, like if you follow the link, it's a Datamation article that has some other per- people talking about a few yeah, the source is weak. quotes from some kernel developers. And it doesn't even talk about regressions for like the majority yeah, of that article. Yeah. So I'm willing to believe that there are regressions. But to say that so strongly and then not have any sort of like, what are the numbers? Right. How many companies are affected? By, you and know, here's I, where I think this blog post goes way down into the weeds. Because if you just back up for a second, you realize that's why there's things like Ubuntu 14.04 that Mint 17.3 that you are running your laptop on right now is based on. It is not experiencing these regressions because this is being managed at the distribution level. And if you're in the enterprise where these things really matter, you're likely running Red Hat Enterprise Linux, Ubuntu LTS, or CentOS. You also have, can afford to have QA teams that can review these things. True. But even if you didn't have a single tester before you just randomly installed a kernel update on a production machine, uh, if you're running it in a business scenario, in most cases, you're using an LTS-style release. Right. Hell, yeah, there's... Even Arch machines have like, – you can have an LTS kernel on an Arch machine. Uh, so this – it feels like a false argument because if the scenario in which you are so dependent on the kernel support of your hardware, that scenario is not one in which you would be also installing every single kernel update that comes up. The two just things are completely incongruent. It, it, it doesn't well, match up. No, I don't well, think so. I think you should be able to expect Upstream does a decent job testing the software they write. You shouldn't have to rely on a distribution to test all your software. You shouldn't rely yeah. on Red Hat to test that the kernel works. I agree. Because it's, I've had a lot of esoteric hardware where it just does not work correctly with a major update. And I mean, even on point releases, they break things like the ButterFS bug that they introduced in like 3.19.1 or something that wasn't even me. in 3.19.0. Yeah, but my point is that these things do happen. It is a reality, and anybody that is administering these systems is aware of the reality because these are people that are, their jobs are on the line for managing these systems, and so they have to work in the reality of in the context of the situation. So they're not deploying these kernel updates on these massively critical machines. That's just not. It's just no, not something not, that's that commonly mean it's done. Not a shortcoming, right? It sucks when you're going to test these things and you have to weed through all yes. these weird issues in I your agree. lab. I agree. I agree. It but sucks. It, it's it's one of the main points of his articles as the drawback to Linux. I don't think it's a drawback because the fundamental way that Linux is deployed and distributed is essentially built to mitigate these potential issues. No, I don't think it's a drawback, but I think it's something that needs to be worked on because I don't think they do enough regression testing. And I think it yeah. could be a lot better. Yeah, I, I I know. I agree there too. But the thing is, is that is well. I mean, I guess that's my, what I was saying is that that there's a lot of nuance there that is covered in in that. Well, maybe point. instead of funding a blockchain replacement, they should be funding more kernel testing, but over at the Linux Foundation. And then there's a the Hacker News article or discussion, which maybe we should link to. Uh, they have oh, some yeah. good some good. Uh, discussions about what current test frameworks are used by the kernel and what they do. Anything that jump out at you? Um, I just remember seeing seeing a lot of the because that hacker news thread seemed overly hostile to me. There are some hostile sentiments in there for sure. There's some nice ones too, but yeah, it was just like a whole bunch of people like, yeah, that's why I switched to the Mac, and I, was like, I don't want to read that. Just it's getting disappointing. And you know what? They're all going to come back. They're all they'll all be back. The Mac well, they is, switch to the Mac, but they find they have the same regressions, right? Like, I think I updated to a minor point release on Yosemite or something, mm-hmm. and my Wi-Fi driver broke pretty horribly. Like, this Mac, this, and this, this is their hardware. This expensive, this expensive Mac Pro that is not the uh, trash can model, but it was the last one they released before the trash can. Right. You know, the one that's actually a de- big decent metal. desktop. Right, right, right. The, the big honking one, yeah. The yeah. one that actually has PCI Express slots that you can use and stuff yeah. and, and drive slides. Uh it's kernel panic before the last two Linux unplugs. 
Maybe it's when I come over. All I'm saying is uh, th- anybody who actually uses Mac OS X under production load where your CPUs are running at higher than 70% for more than, say, 90% of the machine's day, anybody who uses a Mac under those conditions knows that it is one of the weakest operating systems out there. It eats itself constantly. It has one of the worst file systems in the history of desktop computing. And on top of all of that, the expensive hardware has such a premium around it that all of the accessory manufacturers also get to add a premium to to hook crap up to these expensive machines. It is infuriating. The, the, The Mac platform... They can. This is why this 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 is what gets me about the hacker news thread, and, and we should link to it now that I'm ranting about this. You, you can go read it and see why I'm ranting about this. The the, the arrogance of these people, the, of the superior, the supposed superiority of their operating system, it makes me laugh because it is it is all about what the different work case is and how there's just simply some tools that work for some people better and other tools that work for other people better, and that's really what it comes down to. And when you read this guy's article. Every single one of these issues that we highlighted here uh, is is a use case that is edge. And there are legitimate ones like Xorg allows applications to exclusively grab keyboard and mouse input. If such applications misbehave, you're left with a system you cannot manage. A lot of us has, have experienced this at right. some point or another. But again, it is an edge use case. Uh, and so when I read these things, I read these rants, I, I just I, – I, I walk away from something that – doesn't feel productive. It feels more. Um, it feels more nitpicky for nitpick's sake. What I would like to see from this from this article in 2017 is a refinement of what we uh, argue about, uh, because there are issues in here that, in my case, uh, are are worth highlighting. Like I've run into this one. In in most cases, uh, kernel crashes are invisible if you're running an X session. Moreover, KMS prevents the kernel from switching to plain 640 by 480 or 80 by 25 text in VGA mode to give you an error message because KMS is all locked up. Very incomplete hardware support for sensors too. Yeah, I've seen that. You know, uh, you might have a machine on a modern laptop that has uh, 50 sensors and uh, HW Info is only detecting maybe 20 of them, maybe 12 of them. It's a weak point of Linux. Power management. This isn't in his article, but Pharonix took a look at power management for Linux for 2014 versus 2015. And we are worse at power management at the end of 2015 than we were at the end of 2014. We, we use more battery power. Uh, so there are obvious areas. But what he ends up doing is nitpicking in a way that feels unproductive uh, and also so, so esoteric and specific that it doesn't feel like there's any action that we can take on these. And I think, I think part of it, too, is kind of where it lacks context context like with the regressions like regressions are bad but how do our how do the rates of the linux kernel versus other kernels that are in you know updated as much that make as much project that support as much new hardware as as that does sure that's a great question um yeah yeah and and it is yeah and almost in all of these through this through this whole thing like i have to resist the urge to say well but windows does it this way well but the mac does it this way because there's nothing perfect out there. Not at all. And I, I think we could all agree that no desktop is perfect. And it basically, whatever desktop you spend the most time on sucks. And I think this just needs a little bit more context so that we – like a lot of those are completely legitimate points that should be fixed. But we have limited work, you know, hours. And so I think that maybe this article needs a little bit context of which are the most important, which yeah. one of these – should we really be pushing be, towards yeah. in the next year? That would be more but, helpful. Uh, and also, but, yeah. 
it also not needs to not be so contradictory. At the top of the yes, article, he bangs on about not um, not bringing Android into the equation, right. but then winds on about how um, Android UI becomes unresponsive if you do certain I/O intensive operations. Good point. And it's like okay, well, you can't say you can't talk about Android as a plus point and then draw, draw on it as as a by negative the way, Android. Yeah. It's, that's nuts. There's another interesting one in here. I quite like this one, um, which I agree with. Um, Xorg, is, Xorg, Xorg is largely outdated, yeah. unsuitable, and even terribly insecure for modern yeah. PCs and applications. Yeah. And you could change one word in that sentence. Um, Windows is largely outdated, unsuitable, and even terribly insecure for modern PCs and applications. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You know, it, yeah, you could also That's say the comparing same about, the display server with fundamentals of. You could also say that about Mac OS X. Uh, somebody just ran yeah. the numbers, right? And uh, in 2015, the Mac OS X had the most vulnerabilities out of any desktop operating system. Now, mm. sure, some of that was open source packages, some of it right. wasn't. But you know, you can you can pick and choose this data any way you want. You could then say the Mac OS was the most insecure operating system of 2015. It'd be kind of be a bullshit statement, but you could say that based on the data. You could say Xorg's architecture is inherently insecure. You could also claim that Windows architecture is inherently insecure. Yeah, that's a great point, Wimpy. Did anybody else in the mumble room have any uh, points they wanted to make from this article before we uh, wrap up? And we'll have the full thing linked in the show notes if you guys at home want to read it. Can we not do this one next year? <laughs> Maybe not. You know, yeah. I, I, I kind of like the thing I like doing is uh, the reason why I like covering it is uh, this article manages to get quite a bit of traction online. And every year it's gotten more and it's less. Don't, don't you think that's his agenda, though? Don't you think he just loves trolling the Linux community? I mean, some of the hyperlinks in this article are links to bugs that he's raised on the LKML yeah. and has have been closed yeah. and then he reopens every year and he's beginning to <laughs> wind up people with every year these things being reopened. So some agree. of his citations are his own yeah. bullshit bugs. This is but see this is this is the inevitable problem is as this gets more attention it, it it almost feels like we are ignoring it if we don't respond to it because essentially the way it is written and structured that almost just gives it credibility right there, unfortunately. Like when you read something like this online and you see something that's sourced like this, right. you don't even start clicking mm-hmm. links. You go, oh, this guy really is, this guy's really sourced his stuff. He really knows what he's talking about. And so it generates a 100-comment deep hacker news thread that's an entire attack on Linux, right? And it, and, it, and it gets linked all over the hell over Twitter and Reddit and Facebook. And it, it starts generating this buzz of this is why it's still not the year of the desktop Linux. And then that's the headline that runs is it's not the year of the desktop Linux. It's got all of these issues. And I just feel like... And it really hits that crowd of people, too, who, who use Linux on the server but just don't think that they can use it on the desktop. Yeah. And I feel like that rubs at least me and some people in our community just like. So I kind of feel like it is sort of our duty to sort of respond to it and say, no, no, this guy's blowing some of these things out of proportion. He's citing himself, as Wimpy just pointed out. He's, he's citing datamation articles that kind of refer to regressions in the Linux kernel. Uh, and and some of these are extremely niche use cases that don't affect regular day-to-day users, which he's supposed, supposedly writing this for. Uh, so I think that's worth mentioning. I don't want to give it necessarily any more credibility than it deserves, though. So I, I don't like, – like we didn't cover it in Lass's news, for example, you know, just as I – we almost did. And I thought, uh, 
one of, we had a discussion behind the scenes about running it as news and Linux action show, and we decided now this is more of something we feel like as a community we should respond to and and unplugged. And so we 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 moved it down to the unplugged show in the sense of not to demote the status of it, but just to to recognize what it really is. Right? Is it's it's really kind of a conversation piece. Uh, I actually feel like it's I actually feel like it's a more honest Linux sucks. Uh, Blaster says he feels like it's a less honest. I feel like it's a more because it, it is at least it is appropriately updated and it is also cited, which is really nice. Or attempt, yeah, there's, there's uh, the, the citing often made. is himself or datamation articles, but the citing is done. Right. So it seems like it's sort of it's a different spin on that sort of this is what's wrong and uh, that's what plays well on the internet. Right. And I think I don't uh, think it's at all ironic that that website is running on Linux. Well, the guy obviously uses Linux, right? right. I mean, you yeah. read the article. The guy obviously <laughs> is a Linux user. That's the thing. And so uh, these 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 continue to generate discussion. And he managed this year and last year to get a hell of a lot of traffic to discuss it. Uh, so yeah, I I find it to be fascinating. I, I find it to be fascinating because it it is like geeks can argue about this kind of thing forever. Right. The edge cases are, I guess, where all of the discussion is. And it's a lot of work, but some, you find these articles, it really gets your blood boiling. And, you know, you know you're engaged and it's like you, but yeah. you have to put in some thought. Like, well, yeah. why is that so Well, wrong? like the stuff, like I think, I think his PowerPoint – his PowerPoint. I think his <laughs> power uh, points were, <laughs> were uh, really where he goes into Xorg. Right. That is kind of we Xorg. We all acknowledge that. Yeah. And then at the same time, we all know we've got our solutions in the works too. So – and, he, you know, he harps on Flash. Right. It, it is kind of getting tiring, actually, now that I think about it. It is – the whole thing is just getting kind of old. Uh, and it's getting less and less relevant as the strategy tax of the big platforms becomes more and more apparent on the Mac and Windows. Right. So, yeah, maybe maybe next year we don't cover it. I don't know. Let's hope we don't even have to. Yeah. I, it does feel It does feel like it's sort of uh, – it does feel like it's something of a bygone era. I'll tell you what's not of a bygone era. That's our friends over at DigitalOcean. Head over to DigitalOcean.com and get yourself a Linux rig up on their awesome servers, all running KVM, sitting on top of Linux boxes with SSD drives, 40 gigabit e-connectors, and guess what? A $10 promo code when you use DO Unplugged. One word, lowercase. One word, lowercase. That'll get you hooked up over DigitalOcean for two months to try out their $5 rig. You can get started in less than 55 seconds. And at $5 a month, you get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte. Did you see my little terabyte dance that I just did there? That was a beautiful dance. That's my terabyte transfer dance. That's a big deal. To so the you, terabyte transfer. There you go. I just did it again. You get it, uh, a terabyte of transfer with a $5 rig. It just, I just don't even... That's insane. That's great. I just, as somebody who used to have to do co-load servers, I just, that really blows my mind. And they got data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Germany... And Toronto, so you can go have your server chill with Alan Jude. Hey, hey. Yeah, Netflix and chill with Alan Jude. That's what that's what I hear you do up in Toronto. They have a great interface. It's very simple and intuitive. Uh, and that's kind of my nice way of saying it's better than any other virtualization management platform. Way, way better than anything VMware could ever dream of, which is pathetic. It is really good. It's better than any other service provider out there. And then to just sort of put a little uh, sprinkling on top of that tasty muffin, you know, because muffins with sprinkles are better. Ooh, ooh they are. Just ask my five-year-old. Uh, <laughs> they gave you a great API. Really straightforward. They've just recently updated it. Well, not re- they updated it last year now because this is 2016. It allows you to replicate the functionality of their control panel on a larger scale. And so there's a bunch of really nice open source code written around that API to manage droplets. It's nice. they got an HTML5 dashboard so you can see it from boot all the way up to uh, login. 
It's a great system. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code DO Unplug. Get $10 credit. Also, go check out their documentation and their one click deployment. You got Ubuntu, CentOS, Debian, Fedora, CoreOS, FreeBizzle. Is that and what I see? FreeBSD right in the corner there? Yeah, yeah, that Alan Jude. That Alan, he's a campaigner. Yep. He's a campaigner. Uh, Let's see what we've got him because it's running under KVM. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Ooh, that gives me a nice jolly. Uh, you can also uh, deploy applications with a single click. They use Doku in the background. They're big fans of Docker. They work upstream with the projects. It's pretty good. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code DOUnplugged. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Unplugged program. And thanks, you guys out there. For keeping the show going into 2016 yeah. and keep us going. Everyone get more droplets for 2016. D.O. All right. So in episode 345 of the Linux Action Show, I busted out my predictions. Now, traditionally in the big show, what we do is we own up to our predictions from last year and we make our new predictions. But since we had a host change up from Matt to uh, Noah – I decided it wasn't really fair to make Noah own up to Matt's predictions and vice versa. <laughs> that so, would have been funny, though. What I did is I pulled out a few of my predictions, and I'm going to own up to them in this episode. We start with a clean slate on last last week, and then we'll do this own up thing uh, uh, in next year. i watching this. You know what? I came away realizing I didn't like the way I did this format uh, It's it last time. You know, it's, it, it really sucks to watch yourself and then be like, you know what? I don't like the way I did that. Uh, so uh, having having watched this again, I've decided uh, I probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't do the format like this. So now I'm gonna uh, uh, now I know now I know you know what I mean. Like going forward, I'm I'm gonna do this right. Uh, but uh, what I will do here is I'm gonna play. I pulled out one, two, three, four predictions Ooh. that I made, and I'm gonna see how I did. And uh, I'll link to the full episode if you want to watch all of them. But I want to start with uh, this one that. Uh, I think I got half right. I kind of made the mistake of making like two predictions in one here, but uh, I'm going to play it for you. And this is about Debian and how I thought that in 2015, they'd have a new feature come to Debian that would be a big hit. Hold on. That was my, uh, that was my cue, but then I don't hear nothing. I, I hear nothing. Hold on. See Debian come up with a PPA-like solution for 2015. You know, uh, it right. like... Honestly, one of the reasons I will go with Ubuntu over Debian is for PPAs. Yeah, yeah, I would, but I would like them to not just you know carbon copy I the know, concept. It's not a great system. It's not. I mean, even yeah. with PPA Manager, while that God, that's a huge help. It's a, a more of a Pac-Man like situation. Would I be would ideal. I, I would love. So obviously, the Debian PPA thing that didn't work out. That didn't happen. I thought for sure it would too. And then there was even discussions in the mailing list about implementing a PPA like system. Yeah, there was a lot of news about it. It got close. My prediction got real close, uh, but it, it didn't quite uh, work out. Uh, and then I kind of threw in like this this other prediction. Love, love to see or more, AUR, rather. more distros work with the OpenSUSE build service. Yeah, that would be cool. Although Open, uh, yeah, it's a good idea, but they, their stuff it's is not going to happen, is it? It there still misses stuff. Um, when yeah. I've tried using it in the yeah. past, it, it does still miss yeah. some things. So yeah, mm. you know, it's I, the right fact, idea. I want to put a stake in the ground right here. Yeah. Uh, my prediction for OpenSUSE build service and for Copper is more of the same. I think that was kind of true. I mean, they grew more, but it was just sort of more steady, more of the same. Nothing really broke through as like a big, like, oh, right. we're switching over to this. Do you think I kind of got that one, that last part right? I definitely didn't get the PPA thing right. Unfortunately, no. Uh, yeah. But the, yeah, I mean, I, d- I do think at least marginally more are using the build service. It's a great yeah. resource. I wish that more people would use it. I hope, I hope that's, that's another repeat, let's just say. 
I hope that continues. All right. So then I made a prediction about Docker and uh, how it might affect the Linux Action Show. I think containers will continue to see huge adoption. It's going to blow up. Yeah. Docker's going to do great. Rocket's going to do great. Mm-hmm. Uh, con- it, we're going to come up with a lot of great new uses. You're going to you're going to see probably your your humble host here on the Linux Action Show say, "Here is a project. It's super cool, and you can do it in a container on your distribution right now." And we'll stop saying things like, "This only works on Ubuntu. This only <laughs> exactly. works on SUSE. This only works on Arch." If that's that is going to go away. Yes. A little bit towards, but. So you know what? And it did kind of work out that way. Not completely as I thought, but uh, I know off the top of my head we talked about uh, SmokePing and MB last year that w- at the end of the episode we're like, all right, go get this Docker container and you can use it. It came up a couple of times. Uh, but I saw you kind of go iffy. What was I iffy on, do you think? Oh, just on uh, – I feel like uh, Rocket from CoreOS has oh, yeah. not delivered as much as – Yeah, you're right. It really hasn't, has it? Rocket doesn't, hasn't been like huge. It's, it's – yeah. It's They're just, there. I mean I appreciate it. I like CoreOS. But. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Pocket Casey points out that OwnCloud is using the OpenSUSE build service. Uh, in fact, I was going to talk about that today in the episode. I just forgot. Uh, MB was for a while. Yeah, Joss, Joss blog is like, don't use your native uh, di- distro uh, repo packages. You know, use the build service packages. Right. So there's been some movement there, but I, I just attribute that to the same steady pace. I don't think they. I don't think it's had. A, I don't think the OpenSUSE build service or Copper has had a breakout. Like when I install Fedora, I still find Copper not nearly competitive at all with the AUR. Right. And that's kind of my benchmark for both those things. Uh, all right. So I have one I'm saving till, towards the end, but I got one more. And I'm curious. I think this one is iffy. I want to know what you think, <laughs> Wes. I made a prediction about FreeBSD kicking Linux in the bulls. Is in large-scale production, enterprise-grade. Right. People are going to look at the Linux stack as a whole and look at virtualization. They're going to look at containerization and they're going to look at the file system. Mm-hmm. And I predict that Linux over 2015 will lose a lot of installations to free BSD. I think 2015 will be the year that the Linux community recognizes the amount of heat that the FreeBSD project and all of the people around FreeBSD are bringing. So uh, I was I was I was supposing that FreeBSD would see a lot more market adoption. I, I I don't know how to measure that now in 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 looking back at it, but it does seem like a lot more VPS providers have started offering FreeBSD. FreeNAS has gotten a lot more mind share and uh, a lot more market. Uh, like Noah just shared a story on Linux Action Show this Sunday about a client that wasn't even willing to consider uh, Linux anymore. They wanted FreeNAS and CFS. Said, so what do you think? Do, do you think? I think I mean I think a lot of the system D stuff I think there's a there's certain set of well from on the Linux oh, side oh, yeah. from I think some of the system D fallout there have been more oh you think that? Linux power users who have been exploring FreeBSD oh. I think it still is the king in terms of easy open source yeah. you know secure data storage yeah but I, I'm not sure I know from our emails that come into TechSnap um a lot of people have been switching in our audience right. So I know, and you know, the BSD Now show has has grown a ton in the last year. The BSD Now show really grew a lot last year. It was it was a big year for the BSD Now show. So, uh, yeah, I kind of think that did actually happen. And if I, I think, go by those metrics, I think it does deserve to be recognized because FreeBSD is a great open source project. Yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like it deserves more recognition recognition in the container space for jails, and I feel like there's like the privileged yeah. admins and developers who do use it, but I. I feel like there's been so much further hype in the Linux community that it 
that part, that shift has not happened. Go ahead, uh, Ryan. So I'm not really sure that even though there is a lot of interest in in uh, BSD and uh, especially among those who are really technical and and like to explore that this technology as far as they can and be kind of on the cutting edge, I think that we have to ask what at what expense is it at Linux's expense? No, I mean they may be Linux may be losing these users, but many are coming to take their place. I that's a great I way read, to put it. That's know, a yeah. great way to put it. There's so much momentum behind was, Linux and people that want to be uh creators and people that want to be on the cutting edge. There's so much momentum there that it's a drop in the bucket, right? Yeah, and I was just going to say I got the opportunity to talk to uh one of somebody who works for one of my former employers and when I worked there, it was completely a Microsoft shop. They were Microsoft, like Platinum Partner, whatever the highest was, and they would not really deploy anything. I maintained like three Linux servers that I had to beg to get in there. <laughs> and uh, I just had a conversation with uh, one of the guys who works there, and, and now they you know, have OpenStack deployed. It's pretty much all Linux where cool. where uh, Windows was king before, you know. And, and so I think about that, and I think, yeah, you know, people might be moving over to to BSD, you know, to try some of these technologies that they, they're interested in, but right. there, there are so many people continuing to come to Linux because it's yeah. kind of becoming the I de facto the part that I work. The part that jumps out at me at the prediction is at the end there I said, by the end of 2015, we're going to recognize the heat that FreeBSD is bringing. Right. And, it, and I think now if you look back at Canonical preemptively announcing uh, planned support for ZFS, I think that is sort of a recognition of the demand for some of the feature set there. Wimpy, you say more it's like you see FreeBSD going in for specific tasks, not really replacing Linux, but more like complementing it. Tell me more about that. Yeah, well, yes, replacing Linux, but not entirely. So, you know, the things that I do, I've been... Um, uh, uh, deploying pfSense for firewalls because if you, you're going for a full-on open source solution, in my opinion, there isn't a Linux-based firewall that can compete with pfSense. Right. And in terms of doing um, big file servers, if you're not doing you know um, clusters, clustered storage like um, Ceph or ClusterFS, then ZFS is really uh, the only game in town, unless you really pay through the nose from uh, something uh, from EMC, for example. So I've been deploying BSD in those scenarios for file servers and for firewalls. But the rest of the Linux infrastructure has remained. So all of the big compute and data science stuff still runs on Linux. It's now just using... Um, TrueNAS in this this case, or sure. FreeNAS as the back end, and ZFS as the back end, and then uh, PF in front of it all. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think with Ubuntu adopting ZFS in 1604, and also uh, some of the Debian uh, derivatives, so Open Media Vault, for example, where ZFS is now an option. I think you were right in your predictions that this year is the year that. Linux is going to sort of embrace ZFS and ZFS will be um, the future of, um, you know, enterprise scale storage mm -hmm. on Linux. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can layer all of the clustering file systems on top of that. 
So don't go away because this last prediction, I think I kind of got right. And I think what I got wrong was uh, Ubuntu Mate Edition wasn't at the forefront of my, my, my vocabulary at the time. But as essentially, I think what I was trying to say in my last prediction for 2015. Right. Here's what I think. I think um, 2015 will be the year that the bet that Mint took with their multi-year release right. and that Ubuntu is taking with the let's not – Let's not focus on a Unity 7. Let's just make it better. Right. right um, I yeah. think 2015 is the year that that check is due. Like that mm-hmm. payment needs to be made. And 2015 is going to come along and I'm not trying to brag, but <laughs> guys like me on Arch and yeah. Gnome 3 and the rolling releases like KDE 5, yeah. uh, Sousa Tumbleweed, uh, Fedora, mm-hmm. we are going to have such awesome desktops that's so much far and above what the commercial competitors are going to do that I I suspect – that where Linux's genuine gains are is in that geek, that enthusiast, that right. you know. When we went, when we did how to Linux in 2014, uh, and Chase was sort of like the the ideal Windows switcher. He was a Windows power user. He liked to tweak Windows. He was ready to do more. And 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 what he found was those old desktops were not very appealing to him. They weren't customizable enough. They weren't new enough. Right. And right. I think in reality. You have more people switching to Linux that are savvy than you do that new mythical user. Over 2015, I think it's still going to be more of us, more geeks, more enthusiasts switching to Linux. And because of that, I think things like Plasma 5 and Gnome 3 will be way better received because you're getting a modern experience. You can Mm -hmm. still customize Mm -hmm. it. You don't feel like you're taking a step back. But I think in terms of raw numbers and Mm -hmm. organic Mm -hmm. adoption, things like the Matei Project – or, right, right, or right. other like or Trinity, other classic desktop yeah. sort of paradigms. I think that's where the most growth will happen. I think uh, yes. it'll be a, a lot of it's still going to be Ubuntu based. I don't. Last year I thought it was going to be Arch based. I, I right, think this year right. it's going to be Ubuntu yeah. based. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe it's going to be Fedora based. I think a lot of it's going to be traditional Matei edition style Ubuntu based growth. But I think for power users, enthusiasts, the people that are watching this show, uh, those of us who work in IT. Uh, those of us who are just like Windows power users that are switching to something else. I would agree. We're going to look for the more modern stuff, and, and a lot of the power user growth is going to happen there. So I think I got it right. The base usage growth, the organic growth was in the uh, like Ubuntu Mate, and then people – like with the Raspberry Pi grabbing the Ubuntu Mate edition. Uh, and then the people with power, powerful computers, more of us adopted Plasma 5 and GNOME 3 this year. That's sort of the long version of – that's a short version of a long thing I just said, but I think I don't know, Wimpy. Your thoughts, being Mr. Ubuntu Mate over there, what do you think? I, I don't know. <laughs> I know it was a long, like a long way to get to it. Than watching um, that back, but I think essentially it, it seems like Ubuntu Mate really, really came into its own in 2015. Like it really became recognized. It existed yes. in 2014, but 2015, I mean, it was it became a serious contender. April when the official version came, the the official, you know. Um, it, when we became part of the Ubuntu family, that really did jump on quite considerably. Things have calmed down a bit now. People are used to the fact that it's there and it's part of the furniture. Um, so it's it's a bit more calm. I, I, I don't really know how to gauge because I've got no insight to how popular the other distributions are. I'm just pleased that I've made something that so many people, and there are a lot of people that are down. Yeah, but you it. can just, just tell as somebody who's been in the Linux community for a while when a distribution moves up to the forefront and is sort of gain, mm. gains mind share. And, yeah. and yours has very I quickly. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. I, 
I think yes, it's clearly popular. I can't gauge how popular versus the exactly yeah, right. yeah. versus the others. Yeah. That's very difficult to do. So, but ge- generally, there's a lot of interest around it, and and that's very pleasing for me. You know, it started off as a bit of fun, and it, it's beca- become a bit more than that. But it, yeah, it's <laughs> it's been it's been a, a very enjoyable journey, and long mm-hmm. may it continue. Uh, now Ryan is a crazy sob, and he thinks that those blokes over at Canonical are going to actually make it a Ubuntu vanilla desktop that's going to get all the buzz. Ryan, share your wisdom with me. So, as somebody who spent a considerable amount of time using the Ubuntu phone here in the last, I don't know, probably month and a half, and just uh, played around with Unity eight a bit, I got to say that if the desktop Unity 8 desktop doesn't make a big splash, then the apps that the community has created for that desktop that seem to fit in so well into that desktop and scale, you know, as your screen size does, that, I think, will swing the pendulum back the other Hmm. way. Because if you think about it, the Unity 7 was just really iterative almost for the past, like, two years. You know, it's just been, you know bug fixes and uh, the occasional I would consider minor feature and I'm sure somebody could debate me on that but especially this year it kind of um, they just kind of polished and and fixed bugs but uh, and I wasn't I was using GNOME 3 um, uh, quite a lot until uh, I played around with uh, the Ubuntu phone and then and then Unity ate some and I realized that they've actually got something really interesting there and uh if I were going to predict, I, w- I would say that there's going to be some renewed interest um, when they when hmm. they really push that so is this to the a, forefront. Is this an official Ryan prediction for 2016? Because we've been yeah, writing I it can, down. I, so. I'm willing to. I'm willing to. Yeah, I'm willing to put my huh. stamp on that. I've got another one if I can share it. Yeah, go ahead. So I've been saying this forever, and and I know I'm sure Canonical doesn't like this when I I spread these rumors, um, but I really think that. Um, we will see some uh, canonical partnerships, and I don't have any uh, privilege and information or anything, but I just think that I was looking at the stats of their cloud, uh, how how many deployments Ubuntu mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. in the cloud, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like somebody who has so many, even on their competitors, like, well, not really, they would say not a competitor, but Azure, on the Windows, on the Microsoft platform, you know they're uh, they're significant. They have significant market share. Mm-hmm. That's not. I don't think that's a. Pl- I think what you want about Canonical, but that's that's not a. Uh, that's not something they can ignore. These companies like Amazon and and Microsoft, and uh, and so I would be really interested to see uh, what happens with the that that company Canonical and their partnerships with these yeah. with these uh, traditional big players in, so in that space. This Sunday on the Linux Action Show, we're doing uh, what we wish happens in 2016, and uh, one of my wishes, and I'll just give one of them away, I guess, is uh, my wish is is that uh, Ubuntu's adoption in these cloud platforms encourages a desktop adoption after Unity 8 stabilizes, like Unity 8.5, Unity 8.7, something like that. Is I really hope can that. I, can I? Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, that, I was, oh, I was just going to say the uh, the thing it, that I think about is this year uh, it wasn't just Ubuntu, but people who who and we talk about the year of the Linux desktop every year, and I'm not saying it's the year of the Linux desktop, but the barriers to get there every year, I think it's impossible for it to drop down again. Like I think like this 
Linux is the desktop is going to remain this niche thing. And, you know, we've kind of got the users we're going to have. And, you know, it's just going to be the tinkers, the hackers and uh, the really um, uh, explorative, curious power users. But then something like Steam drops or, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. even more applications go to the web or, you know, somebody implements like, for instance, I've got Spotify on my on a you know on my linux rig yeah yeah and each time one of these things happen somebody else yep talking to me a new category of user can move over yeah right exactly i put you know months ago months ago i put my i put my lady friend on uh on the ubuntu mate desktop and uh not not really spotify was probably the final app that made it doable not a single functionality or feature is missing anymore for her not a single thing there's nothing that she do- that she needs her computer for that the Ubuntu Mate desktop is not providing. And maybe a, a stable Unity 8 could provide something of the reference platform yeah. that Ubuntu kind of already is, but in better form. I like it, Ryan. Well, it's good stuff. I, I, I talked about this at System 76, but uh, you know, I have a I have a Yoga 2 laptop that I take around with me, and Unity 8 would be so cool if when I flip it back to tablet mode right now, it it just kills the keyboard and <laughs> switches to yeah. pulling up yeah. the online keyboard, which is fine. You know, it allows me to just sit there and read uh, a web page or, or something. But it, but wouldn't it be so cool since they have like the, the tablet interface and the phone interface versus the, the, you know, desktop interface. If when I did that, it actually switched to a complete touch, touch centric experience because you know, I, when I want to read, I want to just be able to flip through the stuff with my hands. I, you know, sitting there relaxed on the couch or whatever. And consolidating that device seems pretty pretty nice because I mm-hmm. have all my files and I wouldn't be using some kind of sync service to go. I to agree. The that's the that's the dream. The that's the that's dream, the Ryan. And then uh, and then and then you tie it all together with a little Mycroft here and there, and uh, boy, that's a happy world after all. <laughs> yeah, then I don't even have to touch it yeah. anymore. I can just say things to it. Yeah, yeah, I'd love it. I love I love the fact that the, you're talking about the opposite way that you know when whenever we're talking about convergence at Canonical, we talk about how you know you take a phone out of your pocket and you plug a keyboard and mouse and it turns into a desktop. You want to go the other way. You want oh, to yeah, take a desktop right. and turn it into a yeah. tablet. Oh, and for me too. The yeah. Fact that it, it should be able to do both of those is, yeah. Yeah, I would say I fall in that category too. That's exactly how I think about it. Well, uh, guys, I look forward to seeing both of you at Scale. Don't forget, if you're curious about Scale, we got links in the show notes. We also got links to all the Minecraft stuff stuff that's going on, including the Indiegogo campaign and the community. As well, we have links to the episode of Linux Action Show if you want to see all of the predictions of Matt and mine. It's a whole bunch of stuff in the show notes this week, a whole bunch of stuff. Don't miss it. That's right. And you know, you could be here live to take in all of it and actually get even more show. You get some of Way it. Way more show. You get some of it. We, we include some of it, but not all of it. Especially the really dirty parts. What? Woo. Whoa. Let's just say pants were involved. Yes. All right. So uh, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. We do this live on Tuesdays over at jblive.tv. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that in your local time zone. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com for topics and feedback into this here show. I'd love to get your feedback there. And of course, join us live next week so you can be in the mumble room and take part of our virtual lug. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you right back here next Tuesday.
Now we're all done. I think it's time for a little uh, Mycroft and Chili. We can Ooh. just. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good show. Thank you, everybody, for making it out. That was Chris, an awesome show, see, guys. Did you see my BSD and Chill image? Yeah, I did. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, that's great. BSD and Chill. I guess it's like now. Now it's funny. Now that I did the whole. Uh, now that I totally didn't get the whole uh, Netflix and Chill reference. Now I'm seeing like even Ted Cruz is making references to Netflix and Chill. Like I am an old man when Ted Cruz has got a, a meme faster than I do. Uh, all right, jbtitles.com. Yeah. Let's go vote. Spe- Speaking of which, my uh, my wife is actually chilling here. She was she was, I had the headphones unplugged for a little bit, and she was listening uh, to you. What'd she uh, think? She liked the show. And hold on, uh, Java with gnome foam is kind of oh, good. Oh, right, titles. Uh, Minecraft action show. That's not oh, bad. Action show. Uh, master click baiting. Master. That's good too. <laughs> here she is. I'm gonna let her tell you in her own words. Hello, Ryan's wife. Hello. Hello Ryan. Ryan. Hello, Chris. Hello, what's your name? Hello. Hi. Hi. So, uh, what did you, you think of the show today? Um, I actually didn't hear the show today. I was working, but I actually hear your various shows quite often because Ryan listens while he's in the shower and oh. has it over a big speaker. I'll consider it. That's nice. That's good. Yes. Yes. So I, I stay quite informed on Linux news. Oh, good. I, I listen in my fortress of solitude. Right. So uh, while well, you're having shower thoughts, <laughs> so, I understand. Well, you're shower thoughts. That's pretty good. Yeah, so, it's uh, the best time. All right. So give me your feedback. This is your chance to give me any feedback, any any improvements you'd like me to make. Go ahead. I'll, I'll note them down right here. I got a piece of paper. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, maybe more. Um, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Really? That's, I guess that's something good. complimentary. Yeah, something involving magic would be great. More magic. Okay, I'll write magic. Just, okay, yeah. All right, magic. More and magic. Sparkles. Yeah, okay, I got this. Purple elephants. Purple. Okay, these are all things I can work okay, on. Purple these are all things I can elephants. Work on purple. Good. Okay, thank you. Yeah. That's, that's the, uh, solid feedback. The thing that. <laughs> the thing I wonder about, um, Chris, um, because she, you know, she gets to listen to you on uh, Linux Action Show, Linux Unplugged, and Coder Radio mostly. Um, my question is. I know you have uh, the uh, women's. Uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name, but women's I have tech radio. Tech radio. Yeah. women's tech radio. And I'm curious, like, do you know how much of your audience, as a maybe a percentage or as a number, is is women? Do you have any I, idea? I on don't that? think I have any current numbers, but I don't think it's a huge. I don't think it. I don't think it's more than uh, about six or seven percent. But I'm not sure. And how many of them are forced to listen by their showering husbands? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to try that. Do those count? Do those count? Yeah, maybe that's how. Maybe that could be a new marketing apro- approach. Spread the word via the shower. <laughs> get get you know get those tell those uh, those sponsors like you know if you're ad if you're trying to um, hit you know this demographic women who are forced to listen to uh, their husbands' podcasts right you know then uh, right. then you you never know like we could have. Uh, Ting, and then we could have, I don't know, what's a brand that wouldn't offend every woman that listens to this if, if I said it? I feel like I could but, focus on know, shower-related the, products, too. That could be a new category. Like, uh, you know, it could, I could focus on soap. Yeah. Oh, yeah, get the Dollar Shave It's a video show, just guys, chest up, Chris no, showering, no, no more. shampooing his no hair. No more, no more, no more shower talk. I, I don't know. I Actually, I would like to know what, what hair products he uses. All he right, says he doesn't. I'm cutting you guys off. This no is ridiculous. Special, Washington but. water. End of discussion right there. End of discussion. <laughs> Just had my first day at my new job today, and I'm, I'm super oh. excited. Oh, congratulations. How did it go? 
Yeah, great. Uh, like-minded people, <laughs> fabulous. So all the right things. Lots of Debian, lots of Ubuntu, lots of open source. Yeah, really. That sounds wonderful. So are you saying like yeah. are you saying are you saying Ubuntu and Debian on the desktop? What are you saying? Uh, Debian for server infrastructure and Ubuntu on the desktop. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get in. <laughs> Get in. What the heck? That's, that's such an old man thing to say. Uh, no, it's not. It's a very British. Thing, oh, okay. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it sounds old British. It man. sounds old. Yeah. <laughs>